Hello everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of this Nintendo Life, because I'm across the sea, in sunny Brussels! Would you believe it? Is that the, the surprising part isn't that you're here, it's that it's sunny. Exactly. It's shockingly part. hot. Yesterday, I was sinking into a deep pool of sweat in my trousers um, and had to just shorts. throw them off. I forgot shorts. I'm in pyjamas, uh, and that's the only way to just get the airflow through to, to keep us cool. So yeah, I'm here with Valley. We're in Brussels. It's fun times. This, this is our third episode of TNL Ranks. Uh-huh. Um, so thank you all for subscribing to Patreon. We really appreciate that. Yeah, patrons, this is all for you. It also means that we never do our usual bollocks at the start. Yeah. <laughs> we had a discussion of like, oh, hey, these people actually know what this show is, so we don't need to sell ourselves <laughs> every time because we've already sold ourselves. Yeah, we're, um, they're already here. Yeah, they're already uh, made a contract with the devil. So um, that's what we're doing. Uh, Bali, what are we doing today? We're doing uh, another ranked list. It's uh, This one's an interesting topic. Uh-huh. I think we're going big. Go big or go home. Yeah, it's, of course. You've got to go this big. This is top five consoles of all time. Sure. Consoles being defined here as any video game platform, though. So not technically I just... I will agree any video game platform. Because handheld's a fair game. Handheld's a um, fair game. The Amiga is fair game, of course. The Everyone Virtual loves Boy is fair The game. Virtual Boy is fair game. Yeah, anything. Anything on which you can play a video game, apart from a smartphone, because fuck that shit. Because um, that's not a video game platform, uh, and we'll never recognise it as so. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, we have some kind of criteria going into this, which we may we, both This have... always happens where we, we come up with an idea, <laughs> then we go away and make our list, yeah. come back and we realise that our criteria in our heads has been completely different. <laughs> we both just so... interpret things completely differently. Yeah. So, Bali, what, how do you define right. uh, your list? So, my main points <laughs> that I sort of judged these consoles on mm-hmm. was... The hardware itself, yeah. like, is it light? Is it? Does it need to be light if it's yeah. not handheld? Uh, ease of play, do you, yeah. can you get into a game quickly? The the interface, uh, what what extra things does the console offer? Mm. Uh, the game, video games lineup, uh, not just launch lineup, like the whole library that you can access. Generally, not I wouldn't say access now necessarily, but certainly being able to access those games now helps. Mm-hmm. So that links to this other point: virtual console ability to play old games. And it's difficult with stuff like remakes, I was thinking, but just a hypothetical example, something like Wind Waker HD, in my mind, I think both benefits the Wii U Mm. and the GameCube. So it sort of does good for both of those. Um, And yeah, I think just as long as you take all those things into account, that was pretty much about how... I put this list together. So basically, I've written a manifesto on how to define (laughs) exactly consoles. Uh, I mean, mine is a bit more just... Hey, do I like the system? It's it's um, the the games lineup definitely comes into it more, but I maybe lent a bit more on like my feelings at the time and how I used it at the time and the features that were important to me. Um, so that kind of extra stuff is maybe a little bit on top for mine. But uh, yeah, uh, I guess we'll just kick things off by getting into the list. Bali, kick me off. What's your number five? My number five is. The Game Boy Advance. Okay. Um, Now, some things to factor into this decision was, first and foremost, I think the Game Boy Advance is massively superior to two systems that I think almost merged together 
and then the Game Boy Advance is like the better version of those two systems. And those but, two systems being, sorry, go ahead. Before you go on, uh, do you have a specific version of the Game Boy Advance? Is this the SP that you're pitching? A, so with stuff like Game Boy, DS, yeah. uh, um, Game Boy Advance, 3DS, I'd, I'd, I'd argue those are separate. I, I'd, I'd link Game Boy Color and Game Boy together. Yeah, I, maybe. We, I would make sure that Game Boy Advance was separate. Uh, In terms of like the specific form factor that you would... This is all of them. All of them, okay. Um, and that links into one of the downsides, in my view, of the Game Boy Advance, mm-hmm. actually, is that there's no, there was no original Game Boy Advance, uh, or even in the first few years, other than the Micro, I believe, where you had both a backlight yeah. and being able to plug in headphones. Because you had the Game Boy Advance right. original, yes. uh, which was the sort of open face, mm-hmm. uh, open ham sandwich, <laughs> like... <laughs> looks like a bit of bit like a PSP. It was the one that basically started the trend that the Switch has gone down. Exactly. I did my video where I was like, hey, the Switch is like the successor to the GBA because right. it's just a standard big screen with some buttons exactly. on the side. Exactly. So like the form factor was great, yeah. but the lack of a backlight was criminal. And I was just thinking like at that point in time, how many handheld <laughs> devices that had the screen didn't have a backlight? I don't know because mobile phones certainly didn't at that point like the nokia brick the nokia brick didn't it it did it did i to my knowledge the very first mobile phone when i say very first i mean mobile phone in our our right so the nokia brick basically the nokia nokia brick did have a backlight Mm. even though it essentially looked like a game boy right classic screen sure but there were devices back then that certainly didn't i got my first mp3 player which was a creative like little pod and that didn't have a backlight and i've been going back to use it recently because I just never have any fucking space on my but phone for music. Was, did it have a color screen? It did have a color screen. Okay, that's yeah. interesting. Um, it, it, in my view, like the fact that the original Game of Advance didn't have backlight was quite a big deal. It is I, criminal as well going back to it these days because you brought back Fire Emblem 6 from Japan for me to play mm-hmm. and I've been trying to play it on GBA and it's just so hard to hard. find anywhere it in the house. Hard. Like I have to sit by the window in my front room oh, with all the light horrible. flooding yeah. in to actually, and then you have reflections off the screen. Mm. So it's tough. So, and I'm, I am factoring massively the ambassador program and the ease okay. of play with those games was far greater. Backlight, I could plug in my headphones. Um, a lot of my favorite games were on that ambassador program. Um, some of my favorite Game Boy Advance games to run through them. Advance Wars, Fire Emblem 7, Zelda Minish Cap, Metroid Zero Mission, Metroid Fusion, mm. Warrior Land 4, Warrior, the original WarriorWare. Like, the Game Boy Advance had some fantastic games and... It was also a library rich with remakes from the Super Nintendo era as well. And that's where I was going to get to this other point, that in my view, the Game Boy Advance is a Super Nintendo and a Game Boy put together into one system that is like a superior system sure where experiences games like metroid fusion are just so much smoother and Mm -hmm. many ways better than something like super metroid Mm -hmm. and minish cap is better in many ways than a game like link to the past but at the same time this is where everyone starts sending you hate mail (laughs) and i i won't try and hide that i think my list is very rewards modernity let's just say and i'm as a gamer i definitely i mean that's i am always in into improvement and we've always debated when we see these ign top games all time and super mario world hey man ocarina of time is a good game it's not the second best game of all time exactly so part of me always thinks that the implication of making ocarina of time second best game of all time means that zelda hasn't improved since then yeah and it's like of course zelda's improved since then so why put ocarina above that game but anyway 
that's a wider issue, but essentially the Game Boy Advance brings a lot of great ideas together, mm -hmm. especially for, it had so many JRPGs, not that I've played many of them on Game Boy Advance, right. and there's still huge ones we I've not played on Game Boy Advance, like I mean, Mother like, 3. All the Final Fantasies got remade, like you had 1 and 2 were mm. remade in a package, you had Final Fantasy 5, the first time anyone could play that in the West was on GBA, and 6 obviously got a remake there, even though we played it on the SNES Classic, but the GBA version, aside from the sound chip stuff, is ostensibly... A much better version because you know right. like i had my complaints with final fantasy 6's script like the localization was a little bit iffy and they spruced that up for the remake so a lot of stuff like that big weakness is it doesn't have an original 2d mario i right, i, I yeah. would have liked that but the the three that are on it or the four that are on it three that are on it i think but um, it's such a mess so it's many. like okay let's uh let's put yoshi's island here but let's call it super mario 4 advanced yoshi's island or like super mario brothers 3 i think was super mario brothers advance 4 super mario brothers yeah. 3 yeah which is just the most asinine because the first super mario brothers advance was super mario brothers 2 that's the one I. It have. gets better. You have you have Super Mario World Two, uh, Yoshi's Island, yes. Super Mario Advance Three. Right. Um, <laughs> which was my first experience with that game. It's a great game. Um, yeah. So it had like a, a great collection of remakes, but a great collection of original games. And in a time <coughs> before virtual console and indie games being available mm. on a system, the Game Boy Advance brought together like quite quite an array of uh, games. So for the time, it was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I think that wraps up my my take on the Game Boy Advance. But but could yeah. have been higher. Yeah, I would argue, like I said, that some hardware uh, limitations to an extent, but the library was solid. Okay, cool. Game Boy Advance is good. I like Game Boy Advance. My number five <clears throat> is the Nintendo Switch, the newest, latest edition. Wow, the Nintendo family. Um, the Switch is definitely a system that I could see in years being higher up this list. Um, but we're talking like, and you were saying like, oh, I'm talking about it in its time and what it has now. And the Switch right now is great. It's fantastic. It has a long way to go. Uh, and I think in the future, it could potentially be a number one contender. Um, but the reason it's, it's lower on my list is it lacks a lot of key things that I would like. Just the last few days being here and using the Wii U a bunch has showed me hey, the Wii U and its internet browser, I fucking love that thing. The Switch doesn't have one of those. The Switch doesn't have, like, a Netflix app. It doesn't have these added features that aren't necessary to a game system. But for me, when I'm talking about, like, my favorite consoles, I like the flexibility that they offer, you know? Um, but is there anything with as greater ease of access when it comes to between like the form factor of going between handheld mm -hmm. and console yeah. and jumping into a game fast? Yeah. Like, in my view, there's nothing better. No, exactly. And that's like why it's on this list. It, it, it was going to be on this list for that reason alone, potentially. But um, but there are those things that I would like to see improved. As we talked endlessly, the eShop is still very barren. Um, and is actually, a lot of people have been praising it because it's like, oh, hey, here are all the new releases. And I just showed you a screenshot the other day of a PlayStation 4 store of Ghost Recon oh, Wildlands yeah. and trying to search for stuff with that game and it's just this list of just Ghost Recon Wildlands and every single one is like a DLC piece or some microtransaction thing. It's like, how do you sort through all this mess? And that's what places like Steam and like all these storefronts are trying to deal with is just the deluge of shit that is just shoved on there on a daily basis. Um, and the Switch gets around that because the eShop is minimalist and simple and has these 
categories where you can be like, okay, here's the top charts, and here is uh, the stuff that has been, um, you know, coming up recently, mm. and all that stuff is useful. But as soon as something drops out of the charts or isn't the newest game that week, you kind or of for- you kind of forget about it. Like I forgot that Enter the Gungeon was on Switch, or I forgot that Darkest Dungeon was on Switch. You know, these games that I have an interest in playing. But unless they're on sale, they don't pop up again and they won't be in my mind. So you have to be very proactive. I know you've been proactive about putting them on your like wish list and stuff right. like that. Um, no, and that, that is one great feature, I think, of the shop is that um, games on your wish list, uh, it'll just appear with like when they're on sale. It'll mm-hmm. say like, oh, these games on your wish list have this much off, this much off. And then a clever thing they've done is games you've already purchased discounts don't appear which i think is quite clever so oh, if you okay. if you purchase a game with say 20 percent off i don't really like this it's quite controlling and a bit, <laughs> a, bit a bit freaky yeah uh but games say you bought a game for 20 percent off yeah and then later it was 40 percent off you would never know that it was later 40 percent off oh that's because like, it just, just says purchased yes it just and, says purchased on it and like that's not an, i think that's a negative more than a good right. thing is it but i don't know but I it's would... an annoying thing when maybe we're talking about a game on the podcast and we're like, oh, how much was that game? And you go to the eShop and it's like, it doesn't tell me how much I paid for that game. Mm. It's a little bit annoying. but I, I, it's One year in, I almost could not be happy with the library. Yes, the whole mm. virtual console argument is an interesting one. Mm. I'm, I've, over time, more fallen on the side of it's less important because of the stellar lineup of indie games at this system, both new and old indie games and the added uh, bonus of playing these classic indie games on Mm -hmm. the go. Stuff like Stardew Valley, like one of my, now one of my favorite games of all time. Uh Playing that game on the go is an absolute joy. Yeah. And that was something I really wasn't expecting when the Switch was announced and that I'd have so much joy in games that yes I was keen to play but I didn't really anticipate that they would come to Switch it wasn't like now it's almost like a dead cert it's dead certain that the vast majority of very good indie games will come to Switch if they haven't already mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean like that is one of the big positives is it's already got a fantastic library and it's only going to get better from here like you have maybe the best game ever made with Zelda you have now probably my favorite platformer in celeste you have at least a top three mario game of all time you have xenoblade chronicles 2 which has maybe my favorite combat system in a jrpg you have splatoon 2 which basically takes a really innovative concept and just improves on it and makes it more accessible and and there's a dlc continues to support it um and then you have like mario plus rabbits these crossovers they're doing with third parties which is such a weird out there idea that is perfect and works and it's like there's such a variety in all those games as well it's not just that they're leaning on one specific genre they're going out of their way to cater to as many different audiences as possible whilst also maintaining such a high level of quality just across the board um and so that is absolutely a reason why it should be on this list is because like it's it's already there you know it's already got a lot of things that we want and like over the past year, you have played so many amazing indie games that you wouldn't have been able to on previous Nintendo platforms. Ones like um, Severed that you've just picked up, where mm. I was like, oh, Bally, you got to get this. I mean, I guess Severed was I on think you, but... that in my mind might be a reason why for me, I don't want to spoil my oh, list, that, but mm-hmm. it's hotter in my mind sure. as a first year of Nintendo yeah, and, Switch and just because of the indie games right, I've played. And that's probably why we have a difference here is because 
I see all the stuff coming out on the eShop. I'm like, oh, great, Hollow Knight's coming out. Mm. I already played that. You, you know? can't justify a game that just came yeah, out last year exactly. to buy it again. As, as great as that game, I'm sure it is. Right, but, yeah. and because I have the access to these other platforms and I like, you know, get it on something when it's hot, I'm going to play it there first. But that's what I'm hoping is that in the future, Switch releases become day one releases. Like Celeste is the perfect example of a game that had it come out on PC last year, I would have bought it then and there. And I wouldn't have played it on Switch. But Part of you is even a bit humming and hang between getting it on Switch or the cheaper price yes, on exactly. PC. You're right, yes, I was. But also I did have... So there was this uh, thing that PayPal did with the Switch, just a slight tangent. PayPal did this thing with the Switch eShop where if you spent 15 quid, they would give you an extra five quid to your balance. So I did that for, I think, SteamWorld Dig 2. Um, and so I had like a, a whole extra money off on the mm. Switch. So it worked out fine in the end anyway. It basically worked out the same. But it is a perfect example of like, it was first and foremost marketed as a Switch game because it was in a direct and they were pushing it hard. But also because it came out at the same time, I had to make that choice. And the choice was easy because portability on Switch kind of trumps everything else. Um, and that is like, that's a key factor in in why it's it's on this list but it's also the thing that i really like about the switch that i didn't think about so much but is so seamless is charging the switch right with a 3ds or with the ds or anything any handheld console yours like okay where's my charger gotta find my charger plug it in leave it over there where did i leave it in the house the dock makes it so simple to just pop it in wake up in the morning pick it up and it's fully charged you know like, and I don't think 3DS had a dock. It, exactly, right. 3DS had a dock. So did the Wii U, technically, if you got the deluxe, which you did. True. Um, and those were good. Those were fine. But they weren't integral to the way you played the system. Because the dock is the venue by which you get it on the television. Everyone has a dock. Everyone has switch. a dock. You have to have it. You have yeah. to have it. It's, it's part of what makes the system the system. And that's the thing. It's like the seamless nature of charging it. I... Um, moments when I have taken my Switch somewhere and not taken my dock, especially I think the first time I took it it's to London, it also, it's like I have to leave it plugged into a charger thing by the wall and it seems like it takes longer. It... I love that when I went on the holiday, holiday to places like Japan mm -hmm. and I hummed and hard about bringing the dock or not, yeah. I always will bring the dock yes. because it's so small. Yes. All I have to do is bring the dock and one extra cable and then I might even be able to plug it into a TV. Yeah. Even if I don't have, find a TV when I'm on holiday that it, it'll plug into or work with, it, it doesn't matter because I've still got the dock just for charging yes. purposes. And all I'm carrying is one extra HDMI cable that I might or might not use. It's so seamless to bring with you. Yeah, even if you're going somewhere which doesn't have a TV... I just bring the dock because it's a place to leave it. Exactly. You, know? you just leave it's it there. It's so good for like a bedside table yes. or just a desk, like anywhere. It's just perfect. Yeah. The the convenience factor of just waking up in the morning. And also, I think we've both hummed and hard about like, oh, is it overcharging or not? I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more skeptical than you are, but like, it, it seems like it's been fine so it would far. Be, yes. And like, it would be a big change to the way, way I would put the switch in the dock and not yeah. if i was to decide actually let's not overcharge it so, but sure i'm happy to overcharge I, I mean like speaking of battery life that's maybe another thing that maybe brings it down in my estimate because yeah it would be nice if it had a five hour battery i think that's kind of the peak that i would and like it does it to... for many indie games it, you're right yes but... for sure it definitely depending on the intensity of what you're playing it will Absolutely. last longer or shorter but um 
you know, like you want to be able to play seven hours of Skyrim without having to, yeah. you know, put it. Half an hour of Breath of the Wild is nice, but it is it, only yeah, half an hour. Exactly. And that's, and that's <laughs> I'm, ultimately I'm overestimating. Right. That's ultimately why with games like Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, I played it in, on TV majority of the time because I was doing marathon sessions. And if you're doing it portably, you can't justify that. One more thing. Uh, and we were saying this and how un-Nintendo it is. Yes. Is that this is the best handheld screen in the whole of video Absolutely games. Absolutely. And that is. is not something you would have ever thought Nintendo would go for. Like, no. And, and the, the cost, like, it's an expensive system. This is sure. a little bit pricier than it, I mean, what people you might were surprised expect. when they announced it at 300 because everyone was like, oh, it's going to be 250 or 200 Like, there was that one UK retailer who had it listed for £200 and took a bunch of pre-orders at 200 and then they had to satisfy them even after Nintendo announced the price. And it was like, oh, well, they kind of lost out. But hey, people who pre-ordered from them Didn't got a great deal. Didn't we try that? I, I, I was very skeptical. I was skeptical about doing it. But um, yeah, I was like, oh man, those guys getting a deal. I have to pay 280 quid. But hey, it's fine. But um, yeah, I mean, especially for indie games, stuff looks amazing. I mean, I imagine something like Night in the Woods looks fantastic on that screen, you know? It looks great. Like yeah. that, I, I do really like the color palette of mm-hmm. that game. And that's you always think that when you go away from an HD TV and yeah. you felt this a lot with the Wii U when you, or something like that you go away from it and you think now I'm in handheld mode it's just not the same on Switch for the vast majority of games it doesn't feel much worse at all and that is something in I some really cases didn't expect. it feels better like yes Breath of the Wild on certain it runs TVs smoother as well like Breath yes. of the Wild because it's that 30 frames yes. per second versus 60 no well, no it stays it's just, 60 it's a stable it, it's a stable 30 it drops resolution that, that was what I meant yeah, to yeah, say yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah no it drops it's obviously because it's a 720p screen 720p. but the thing that everyone's like complaining about oh it's a 720p screen when your screen is that size <laughs> it looks fucking uh, incredible like <laughs> it's very weird um people get uppity about it but uh yeah it's uh it's just made things so convenient i I told you the moment i think i mentioned this on the podcast the moment where i switched where i was like literally switched um from being like oh this is a cool portable thing to like this is amazing i was playing xenoblade chronicles 2 on the way down to london and i went from full charge to basically zero percent in like two hours two and a half hours in three three hours hours. and the time just fucking evaporated (laughs) I was like, because I went, I was going through this story sequence, there was a load of cutscenes happening, and I was like really into it, and I was like, just so sucked into this world, and as great as other portable consoles are, they have not had that effect on me, because the, the type of game and the quality of game can't be that level of immersion, right? Yeah. And so, it was like holy shit, this thing is amazing. There's a unique type of immersion to a lot of that style of third-person open-world games. And when you are playing someone like a Xenoblade Mm -hmm. or a Zelda Breath of the Wild, you're right. Like We predominantly play games because we absolutely love games. But there are times when we play games and we're traveling and we want the travel time to come down and disappear. And like you say, I agree. Like playing, I played Mario Odyssey on a flight Uh just flew by yeah. and I had my noise cancelling headphones yeah, and it in your was own just world. so immer- and I was exploring collecting moons yeah. it was a joy and yeah. I was like I didn't think that like this was going to be possible yeah, and absolutely. it is true immersive gameplay on the go yeah. like I've never seen before yeah so uh Hey, just uh, get those cloud saves as well, Switch, and then maybe I'll, I'll bump you up my list. That, quite, is, that, that would be a very un-Nintendo thing to do. But. I mean, they need to fucking do something. Like, yeah. the, the one thing is that, you know, even on 3DS, you can back up saves, right? And, like, 
there's the like manually onto your yeah onto like yeah and you can save yeah. it and like that's I, I do that with the vita as well where i um because i had to delete persona off my vita because i needed more space and all i did was just save it onto my desktop and i can just bring it back whenever <laughs> i like it's, it's so easy nintendo make it easy for us please right my number four is the nintendo gamecube mm. uh this it's very hard to to talk about the extra stuff with GameCube because it out of all of Nintendo's systems, it's arguably almost the most simplistic. When it hey man, it's got a handle. Just bring it where you like. <laughs> That's literally about it. That's literally about the only thing extra well, that the. I mean, like the, the GameCube's has. weirdness is it's got little tiny discs. Which what does That's that do cool. other than I guess stop piracy is why they did it. Right. Um, and it's got a weird controller which feels like it melts into your fucking. You say hand. you say weird, but compared to most Nintendo home console controllers, it's arguably the most normal. Is it the button layout has like beans? Like sure, two of the buttons but, are beans. But one's you, a giant when you start thinking circle. about the N64 with three prongs, the Wii U, which is a gamepad in uh-huh. your hand, the Switch with Joy Cons, right. the Wii Mote, uh-huh. you've run out of. Sure, but especially even from the Wii onwards, you had the opportunity for simple controllers: the uh, Class Controller Pro yeah. on the Wii, the Wii U Pro controller, and the Switch controller are basically just a normal controller. Right. Whereas the GameCube was like, this is the only fucking thing you got. It, and there's this weird unique. bean-shaped thing. Yeah. The D-pad you can't really use. The camera stick is yellow. Um, you have these um, shoulder buttons that are... What's analog. that? Analog shoulder buttons. And you only have one secondary <laughs> with a Z. Like, it, it, when you think about it, the buttons on that thing are fucking it's, strange. It's weird. It's yeah. weird. Um, the system is more here for the lineup. Yeah, and yeah. Two games in particular, I think the GameCube does better than any other system um, because we've had like Wind Waker is a fantastic game, yeah. but we've now had Breath of the Wild, yes. and in my mind, Wind Waker is it's not quite as special as it once was because of Breath of the Wild. Sure, sure. But when you look at something like obviously uh, the GameCube was the last system to have a home console F Zero game, mm-hmm. and then you think F Zero GX is just a fantastically it's a fantastic game, but it's a it's an amazing looking game mm. on a system that is not even HD. Right. Um, and obviously Metroid Prime. Like Metroid Prime, a game I got to very late. Um, it's when we were doing the podcast. Yeah. Like, I knew very. I knew a bit about the game beforehand, but I mean, we know that it's one of the most critically acclaimed games right. ever. And I'm now playing through Prime Three, and I'm not very far into. So I don't want yeah. to make too many comments, but. Um, it's cool, and Metro Prime 2 is very different to 1. Yeah. When you're talking about turning the experience of a game like Super Metroid 3D, yeah. Metro Prime does it perfectly. I can already tell that Metro Prime 3 is a very different experience mm. from that. It's more linear, There's it's more cinematic, there's voice acting. There's, there's stuff about it that doesn't feel at, like traditional Metroid in the same way. And Metro Prime 2, as traditional as that feels, it's very, very, very hard and... Mm-hmm. There's elements of that. It doesn't feel as free and open as a Super Metroid and Metroid Prime do. And that's what Metroid Prime, the original, does so well. Would you and say that Metroid Prime to Super Metroid is similar to Ocarina to Link to the Past? Or is, is Metroid yes. Prime more different yes. on its own versus um, Super Metroid? There's elements where it is different on its own, and but that's only... It's very combat-based, probably, Yes, isn't it? and yeah. that's very similar to Ocarina of Time, to be right. fair. Stuff like locking on, yeah. which is so crucial to a game like Ocarina mm-hmm. and Metroid Prime, yeah. and the side dash with B, which you obviously don't have in Super Metroid. I would agree, yeah. It's, it's combat-focused, but that idea of 
puzzles and we've always said that Link to the Past doesn't it's not really got many puzzles and I've Ocarina, been hearing a lot of people recently being like oh yeah Link to the Past is when they first brought puzzles into the Zelda series right. and I'm there like, are many puzzles and I'm, I mean like technically a on a button technically <laughs> yes you push blocks and you stand on some buttons but did you go through that ice place with all those fucking penguin dudes right uh, you know like a lot so, of combat yeah exactly and Super Metroid's not really got puzzles and that's no. something that the 3D Metroid games I mean, the introduced pu- right the puzzle of the Metroid series is finding your route right like it's exploring and discovering the place to go next as opposed to a like Zelda dungeon room where you're like hey spin the skyward sword sword when you're standing on a block to make the eyes all yeah, spin around yeah. you know that kind of thing um, so yeah, Metroid, just fantastic game. It's hard to look at Sunshine in the same way at this stage on GameCube when you've now had 3D World, <laughs> the Galaxy Games, and Mario when, Odyssey. And when I just watched Giant Bomb crumble and <laughs> just want to die playing that game. So other good points of the GameCube that are unique to it are the Rogue Squadron games. Mm. Like, obviously they had Rogue Squadron on N64, but they looked so much better on GameCube. Mm. Rebel Strike, Rogue Squadron 2 fantastic games it's such a shame that that deal um with factor five yeah. isn't it's just not a thing anymore the, yeah. the way that lucas arts have been like taking well over. i mean ea now has control of everything star right. wars and even then that seems on shaky ground because i think disney are not happy after the battlefront 2 right NRC, right and so. and although there's different types of star wars games i'm talking about space shooter star wars games it's hard to think if they've done one that comes close to games like rogue squadron and rebel strike i mean all the old fogies would argue like tie fighter and all those like pc games well they're older than yeah yeah, yeah. Old, older sure games, i yeah. i can i can appreciate that um but it's those games and they're the sort of games that you just won't see on a virtual console in the future no a lot of licenses get tied up with that stuff that's that's the tough thing which is a shame um it's also a really great mario golf i know there's a good one on 3ds uh the one on gamecube is very good there's no rpg mode but I can let that fly a bit more with a golf game versus a tennis game for some reason. Sure. It, I don't really want to I think maybe you just like the, the base mechanics of golf I do. quite a lot. And also just the, the, the core system of like tap, 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 like the, yeah. the golf system is, is fun and satisfying. The original Pikmin games, although I've only played Pikmin 2, mm-hmm. they're great. Smash Brothers Melee. Yeah. It's great. It's great Smash Brothers. I think Smash Melee is the best selling game on GameCube. I think it's number one. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 So... GameCube, it's just it. It's a came at a time where I was. It was the first sort of home console I bought on launch, and yeah. I played a lot of great games in and around the time that I owned GameCube when it first came out. But I've also gone back and, like I said, with Metroid Prime and played games like that and Pikmin Two. Mm. I love it, and I. It's a real shame that I, even as we sit here now, there's no way of playing GameCube games other than emulation mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and the original gamecube so it, i would love to see some way of being able to play gamecube games in the future whether that's a gamecube classic which obviously i think is highly likely or some sort of virtual console on switch we'll see but gamecube gotta be number four i love it yeah gamecube's got that handle can't debate the handle <laughs> is it's ultimately fantastic <clears throat> okay uh my number four is the PlayStation 3. Three. Okay, good, right. Um, PlayStation 3 blew my fucking mind, Bally. Because as... With what? Uh, w- with HD. I didn't know <laughs> what the fuck HD was. We had been playing you Wii are... <laughs> for years. Um, and, you know, we. I remember you telling me this story of you going to somewhere in America. And you're like, oh, 
I played a PS3, just looked like a PS2 with better graphics. <laughs> we're such fucking snobs. Like, we're just like such Nintendo fanboys and like, oh yeah, fuck Sony, all this nonsense. Yeah. Um, and I remember like persuading my dad to basically go it's half. It's the only way you can play Blu-rays, yeah, dad. Because, because my sister was, um, I think, God, when was it? 2010, 2011, probably. So she must, maybe she was doing her GCSEs, I imagine, something along those lines. Um, and it was like a reward for her, basically, because she loves Avatar, you know, the uh, it James it's Cameron film. film. Yeah, uh, Avatar gets hate, a lot of hate. I still love Avatar. I love Avatar. I love, like, that first experience of going to the cinema and seeing it in 3D. It's like, wow. It was very, very impressive. Um, but so she wanted uh, a Blu-ray player to do that. And I convinced my dad, like, hey, um, it's PS3. We'll go 50-50 on it. I'll pay 100, you pay 100, and I get to play these video we games. We a deal. And uh, we get a Blu-ray player, which is, at the time, Blu-ray players were actually pretty expensive. I think they'd probably come down in price now. But back then, it was like, you're paying a lot, and you didn't know if it was going to be a good Blu-ray player or not. Whereas I, don't think, I don't think we, we anticipated the idea as much at the time mm-hmm. of the ability to stream exactly. movies as well as like yeah. downloading HD Right, movies. because that basically made it Blu-rays was, redundant. Yeah. It was like, this is going to replace DVDs, yeah. this is the good-looking DVD, yes. it's, everyone's going to want it. Right, because you know that was the natural progression as it had been up to that point. Um, but the PS3 was like, hey, it, it's known to be a good Blu-ray player, so we might as well go in with it. And so uh, we got it, and... I think one of the first things I downloaded was the demo for Infamous 2. And I downloaded it and I looked at it and I was like, holy fucking shit, what have I been missing out on? Because we'd we'd had this HD TV, it was only a 720p TV, but we'd had it for a while. When did PS3 come out? 2006? So there was like, between, for me personally, between the Wii and the Wii U coming out, when the PS3 was already out... Mm-hmm. I was basically missing out on... When did Wii U come out? 20... 2000, uh, 2012. 12, yes. right. So I went for about six years yes. when most people were playing games in HD yes. and I was playing games in standard. Yes. And so my HD, oh my God, I own an HD system, this is great, happened with the Wii U. Yeah. Which is probably behind 99% of gamers yes, out exactly, there. exactly, yeah. So, yeah, I should have definitely jumped on something HD before <laughs> 2012. But, it, it was weird because we didn't own anything that could output HD at that time. And it's strange, like, even in 2011 when I got it, for that to be the case because it had been around since 2006, right? But, like, back then, no one owned HD TVs. They were no- it's kind of like 4K now, which is we're getting there, but, like, adoption... We're not there, but we're getting there. Right, but it's a similar situation to, like, 2006 was like, well, I'm not. why would I buy that? Like, it's super expensive and it's, it's not worth it. And as soon as I turned on that system and saw the actual usage of this HDTV that we had owned for however long in its full glory, I was just staggered. I was like, what have I been missing out on? Like, why did no one tell me that I'm, games look this good? I'm pretty sure when we bought a an HD Skybox, yeah. um, we'd had an HDTV for a while. I think for the first few months, yeah. we are actually watching it on the wrong channel. Oh, no. We See, even, that's like my grandparents. We weren't even watching it on the HD my, channel. We got a, a small HDTV for my grandparents in their um, uh, kitchen, and the, there's a SCART input for the Skybox and also an HDMI <laughs> input, and they're just watching it on the SCART input the whole time. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, switch it to HDMI. It's like, look how much better this looks. And they're like... I don't know. Like they, don't, they, they can't tell the difference, you know. But um, yeah. but that was the big thing for me. Was like at the time, I was like, "This is a whole new world." Will of stuff. Will we think the same thing when 
Nintendo eventually get to 4K in 2030? Well, I'll, I, I don't know. You'll, I don't have, think you'll so. have picked I'll up have a, four, you'll be on I, the 4K I'll, bandwagon. I'll tell you what, I, I, I shit on Horizon a lot, Valley. I do, I do. I tell it's you. a good looking game. It's a good looking game. Um, I, I was in a, a TV shop and I saw Horizon running on a 4K TV and it is insane. It really, it is incredible. Like looking at that game in 4K is pretty stunning, and that's not even true. And you 4K. need a PS4 Pro for that, right? Yes, yeah, okay. you do. Um, and obviously a 4K TV, which oh, 4K. you know oh, we'll get to. But um, but the thing that was so cool about the PS3 is it basically it not only like gave me the opportunity to see all these HD games, but it just introduced me to a whole new world of games that I had just been missing completely. And we were very much in a bubble, I think, because we didn't like we read O and M and went to those forums, and we only paid attention to what Nintendo your, were doing. It was your first reaching out to something outside Nintendo since the PS One. Basically, like, this was yeah. before you owned the PC, yes. and that obviously opened your horizons yeah. a lot more yeah. to other stuff. But like starting to listen to like PlayStation podcasts and then general games podcasts, and even I think one of the, the funny thing is. The thing that pushed me over the edge of the PS3 was listening to RFN. As a Nintendo podcast, they talked about Nintendo, but they talked a lot about games on other systems. Right. Um, and that was something that really piqued my interest. I remember watching a Let's Play of Mass Effect, the original Mass Effect, or starting to watch one on... There was this website called Game Anyone, which me and Nick tried putting our LPs on because it was like it seemed like this place where we could like get popular because like, there weren't many people there um, and so I found someone who was playing the original Mass Effect I remember being at uni first year like watching some of that and then Final Fantasy 13 I started watching an LP I was like like the level of story like Final Fantasy 13 you look back on it now it's not a very good story like the voice acting is kind of shaky and it's like a very convoluted mm. but for me as someone who had never experienced something like that because Nintendo just didn't do it well the vast ma- the, still to this day the vast majority of Nintendo podcasts don't talk much about games outside Nintendo right yeah vast majority yeah. I, we, we try to and I'm I'll put my hands off I'm guilty where I, I play Nintendo games that's what yeah, I do yeah you do but, but also like thankfully now there are so many indies out there and yeah. that really helps broaden the palette yeah for, for absolutely sure. um, but it was absolutely the case of yeah, I am like finding these whole new games that I want to try and, and play. And the Final Fantasy Thirteen was the first game I bought on PS3. Um, and I think what I, a st- yeah, what I know deep start. I know, um, but it, it's it's weird because like so many people hate on that game, but like because I think because of the way I was situated at the time, where I hadn't experienced narratives at all in games to that level, it impacted me way more, and I really enjoyed it because of that. Um, and so, like, everyone's, like, shits on it constantly, but I'm like, I love, I love Final Fantasy XIII, it's great. Um, and then that went up another level with Uncharted. Uh, Ali T came round, uh, and he had been, because he was, like, texting me, he was like, oh, yeah, you got PS3, because he, he was a Sony kid, like, he'd grown up with PlayStation 2, and, like, we kind of wrestled him you into You mean Ali T was backpacking on us, buying other <laughs> yeah. games and systems? Oh, oh, oh. yeah, what, what a shocker. Oh, um, but, like, we kind of wrangled him into the Nintendo sphere, basically, with yeah. Zelda, With Wind Waker, yeah. With Wind Waker. And, like, you kind of got him in, and, like, yeah. you sold him your DS, and, you're, like, we slowly indoctrinated him. Yeah, sold him um, my original 3DS as well. That's the one thing, is, like, I think you're the kind of source of this, because you, like, indoctrinated me, because I had a PS1 starting out. Although, the whole time I wanted to have an N64, because I went to Burger King and played Pokemon Stadium. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, indoctrinating LIT. But he, like, texted me, he was like, okay, I'm getting these two games for £10, uh, Game Stadium. I think it's Game Station, yeah. which shut down now because Game owns them. Uh, and he got Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 and Uncharted. Uh, and he came around uh, and we put in Uncharted. 
and we closed the blinds, turned the light off, and for seven hours straight, <laughs> seven hours straight, played so much of that game, and wow. we were just fucking enthralled by wow. it. It was like amazing storytelling, like incredible visuals. And it's funny, you go back and look at Uncharted 1 now, it looks pretty bad. Like, not awful, mm. but it's kind of like going back to Toy Story 1 versus Toy Story 3. HD know? has evolved, definitely. It yeah. has, Even yeah. regardless of 4K. Absolutely. Yeah, tremendously. Because, like, if I were to loan you my PS3 now, you wouldn't be super impacted by the visuals. Like Wind Waker HD remake, yeah. Mario Kart yeah. 8 looks... Exactly, and especially because Nintendo have, like, perfected kind of the and way their the games smooth look. Smooth 60. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, but it was it was a revelation, like, playing the first Uncharted game, and I remember talking about Other M on this podcast when I went back to it, and I was like, you know, there there's this moment in time where, like, I was super into Other M, and, like, it was one of those games that Nintendo were trying to do storytelling, and I was like, oh, this is so cool, voice acting in this game. <laughs> and I came back to it after having experienced things like Infamous and Uncharted and Final Fantasy thirteen. <laughs> I'm like, uh, guys... Uh, I'm not sure you know what you're doing here uh, with this game. So yeah, it absolutely completely changed my mind on a lot of that stuff. And so many like weird games that I played on PS3 that I wouldn't have done otherwise through PlayStation Plus because they were you know, doing that deal where you could get free games for the month. And back then they didn't charge for online, so it was just the free games. Um, but games like um, Machinarium, which is this weird like... Uh, point-and-click game, very kind of sketchbook style, this little robot. I was kind of telling you about the other day because, like, Caroline is into point-and-click adventures. Right. And I was like, I played one of these back in the day. Uh, games like Hell Yeah, Wrath of the Were-Rabbit, which is this weird Metroidvania that also has, like, WarioWare mini-games in it as well. Um, and that was the first game I got, like, every trophy in. Um, and stuff like Out Outland, which is a Metroidvania, like, kind of bullet hell-style game uh, made by Housemark, who does, like, Super Stardust and uh, Resogun and that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, just kind of those weird out there games that I wouldn't have touched on my own. And even nowadays, I don't think I would buy them on Steam because I'm much more, um, I don't know, I, I, I'm not, I, I tend to buy games that I know about as opposed to jumping into things that maybe I haven't heard of before. Um, and so with PlayStation Plus, it's like, hey, here's this thing, like it's free, you might as well give it a go. Um, but yeah, it was it was like being there for the zeitgeist of Journey when that came out and playing mm -hmm. The Walking Dead when it was a new thing. And when Portal 2 came... Because I got a PS3 basically when Portal 2 came out and it made me motion sick, obviously. But like it was one of those games... that the rare case where I have pushed through because it was so you good. like you like would do sessions yes. lie down yes. another session lie yeah. down just to get through well, that Paul didn't necessarily make me need to lie down it wasn't like a okay. witness it wasn't that bad um but like I'd play like an hour and then have to like take a break or whatever but uh like Red Dead Redemption stuff like that so, so I basically moved out of my Nintendo shell with the PlayStation 3 and it just opened me so so many more things. Um, so that's why it holds the number four spots. Very, very cool system. And even now, I look back on the PS3 library and the number of exclusives that Sony had and the pace they were putting them out. Um, and it's it's kind of like staggering how, how much they were doing back then. So, yeah. Nice. So number three. My number three is the Nintendo Wii U. Should we... Uh tag team this because it's also is it your number three? number three fantastic um might be people surprised that this is so high for me maybe um 
the, the Wii U for me brings three things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it brings some great first party games. Yeah. Most notably Tropical Freeze. Mm-hmm. If you haven't heard me talk about that game before. No, I never heard 3D that. World, Pikmin 3. I personally like Star Fox Zero, Splatoon, mm-hmm. Mario Maker, Nintendo Land. Great games. It brings those together alongside a bunch of indie games. This was like my first experience of indie games. Sure, like, okay. There yeah. were a couple on Wii, fine. I barely played Lost Winds. That was essentially mm-hmm. it on yeah, Wii for yeah, me. Yeah. The Wii U was where Nintendo really got us act together indie-wise. Loads came out, uh, new ones as well as old ones. Mm-hmm. And stuff like Shovel Knight, just so many great indie games that I finally got used to. And I was... I was complimenting playing these um, big AAAs that were quite few and far between on Wii U, right, definitely. Exactly. I was complimenting them with a bunch of indie games and in a podcast setting where we're trying to play lots of games, talk about lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. It was yeah. great. And the third pillar that's in the Wii U that is fantastic is, of course, the virtual console. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked before on the last episode about the Wii Shop channel and virtual console on Wii. And as much as we did buy a few games on that, we... I admitted I didn't play any of them until the Wii U actually came out. Well, see, the one thing with that and why I think the Wii U is so important for Virtual Console is that it made Virtual Console accessible. What I mean by that is you finally have save states. You finally have the ability to map button controls the way you want them to be. Like, Earthbound is a great example because in Earthbound to... Because usually when you press A, I think, it brings up the little menu, which is like... Right. Interact. And in I remember ways. you saying when you started, it's like, oh, Bally, you need to swap this button to this Be- button. Because, you'll it, feel weird. because like, yeah. the standards just interact with something in a normal game pressing A was mapped like R or something. Mm. And so being able to change that and make it how you wanted it and kind of fashion the, your own way of playing these old games, which right. may not in the control department have held up so well, was another great thing. And the third part is. I can play Link to the Past on the fucking toilet, man. You yes. Know? Like Yes, the gamepad is great. Yeah. It works well. Like the battery life isn't good. No. Um it's a bit better with older games mm-hmm. like a Link to the Past or yeah. something. But yeah, all together this experience of unique games unique first party games like Star Fox Zero and Nintendo Land that use the gamepad in a unique and interesting way, mm-hmm. I loved. Mario Maker is another great example. Uh, Mario Maker is the ultimate example for me. It exactly. is the it is the fulfillment of what that entire system what was building towards. About. Right. It was the ability to design and play in one device, and I think people don't understand the importance of that because it is like you could have had this, and they did do it on the DS, and that's fine, uh, or the 3DS, I should say, that's fine. But the Wii U and the size of the screen. And the ability to just quickly play test something and like have a stylus that you can pop back in and just go right. through it was was invaluable. Exactly. So first party games, indie games, virtual console games, those combined, the Wii U, I think easily is the system that I've played the most games on categorically. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, it's the, the most games on it that I've talked about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh and that is going to continue for some time. I think the Switch will overtake it eventually. Yeah, but, probably. Uh, You're getting well, there. You are. I am getting there. I'm, 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 I'm playing through Bowling. games. Um, but the Wii U just brought all these parts together in such a seamless way in many ways. Um, yes, it was a commercial failure. Bad failure. Yeah. Real bad failure. The worst. Um, games like Nintendo Land didn't appeal to a wide enough audience like Nintendo might have thought they would. The Wii brand was dead in the water yeah. quicker than Nintendo thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it commercially didn't work. For me, 
Fantastic system. Um, are there any other games I've not mentioned? Uh, Rayman Legends. Yeah. Uh, there's like a handful of games not Nintendo made that were just great on the Wii U. Uh, can you think of any others? Um, so the strength of the library for me is built on the pillars of Mario Maker, yeah. Smash, obviously. The best Smash. The best Smash Brothers. Which We've we, been playing a lot this played weekend. played a lot. <laughs> And we're just like rediscovering oh event matches and all that Thank stuff. It's event so good. And trophies so and, many trophies. Yeah. Um Bayonetta two. Bayonetta two. Uh, the demo that has made me buy a game quicker than any other demo I've ever played. <laughs> I sat down, I was like, Dear God, I must I must fight this giant dragon in the sky. It must be done. Um and Splatoon. Splatoon, Splatoon. is the definition of what I loved about Nintendo in the Wii U era is that they were trying to make another GameCube, you know? They were trying to be a little bit different with their main franchises. Mario 3D World was not what you expected for That E3, the where they announced Splatoon, Mario Maker, there was a Breath of the Wild teaser. Yes. Still might be their best E3, maybe. In recent might times. Be. In, in recent, recent times, times, yeah. Like, that, that was... And it was right in the middle of the life cycle of the Wii U yeah. at a time where it was like, is the Wii U going to be something or not? And it, I mean, it didn't end up being much, but yeah. they still promised these games and those games did come out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just that level of excitement with that direct and the innovation of, uh, in particular, uh, Splatoon and Mario Maker. Yeah. That innovation was something that i didn't think we at that point in time we thought nintendo would go for with the wii u and we thought maybe they'll hold back ideas like that for a more successful system later down the line yeah for sure um and then you also had flawed gems like xenoblade chronicles x which has some of the highest highs i've ever had in a game and also some of the just worst i think star fox zero might be in that yeah absolutely some people really liked it i really liked it most people had big issues with that game uh the controls do take a lot of getting used to if you ever get used to them uh so yeah, Xenoblade for me was just one of those where I fell down a deep hole. This happened with both recent Xenoblade games. Uh, having taken three years to finish the original Xenoblade, which I still count as like you the know, best I do one. the others in a month. Exactly. Well, I count the first Xenoblade still as my favorite in the series overall. Um, and the other two, I still... There's something about the way they make those games that it makes them so impossible for me to put down. Um, and that was very much to do with the portability on Switch for Xenoblade 2. But even with Xenoblade X, just they had this whole system on the gamepad of mm. um, these like hexagons that you had yeah. to uh, like uh, discover parts of the map and like do different challenges on them and find all the little beacons and everything. And I just got so into that system and exploring the world. And the moment that you get your scale and then the moment that you can fucking fly it like that might be top five video game moments flying in your scale for the first time. <laughs> I, like that's the kind of thing that I dreamed about in video games when I was younger. I was like, imagine if you could go any, like fly anywhere. You know, <laughs> that's the kind of like weird kid thing. Like, yeah. You know, if you're Superman, but you could just like fly. Like imagine Grand Theft Auto, but you could just like go fly. in the sky wherever you like. Like because we used to do cheats on Simpsons Hit and Run on GameCube. Yeah. Me and Murray would do Your like character. flies in ex- the sky. Exactly, we'd just do like um, anti gravity or whatever. And, like yeah. Homer and his car just go whoop, right right up to the hit box at the top of the sky, right. and it would be like you couldn't like basically break the game but and i was like i don't want cheats in my game i'll play it legit driving yeah, exactly. around on the ground <laughs> exactly exactly we, we loved our cheats that was that was great fun um but that was that was absolutely an important point was 
it was just like magic going through that game. And then you know, have things like Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which hmm. is 20 hours too long, but it's a fun like Persona style game that I really enjoyed. So the Wii U had a lot of that. But I think my favorite thing about the Wii U was the ability to play virtual console games portably or on the TV or whatever. Like it's still my favorite way to play GBA games. I yes, went, I, I went played back, a lot that way as well. Yeah, I went back and re-experienced the entire Castlevania trilogy on wii u like all those uba I played like advanced wars 2 and stuff yeah, like that it's yeah um, and i like i was switching between like my small tv i remember playing a bunch of circle of the moon uh, and playing trying to beat this one stupid goat boss on the tv and then like taking my wii u gamepad and like putting on a youtube video and like grinding out experience stuff mm. on, on that and it was it's definitely it it makes me want virtual console stuff on switch so badly yeah, yeah, yeah. because imagine like i really liked how games like that looked on the wii u gamepad but even going back to it like these last couple of days like the wii u gamepad again you can really see the difference that has been made and the yeah, steps forward yeah. with the switch that 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 virtual console is going to take a lot of beating i yeah. think regardless of what switch virtual console is even if if there is even any sort of virtual console mm-hmm. on switch gonna take a lot of beating like if if we might we might become the only place where you can get games like that a la carte yeah and the switch might have the service or something so like who knows it's gonna take so much beating because it's game boy advance it's nes it's nes it's n64 um and more in one game boy advance i say that yeah twice. i don't anyway. know probably <laughs> but um, it, it's so many in one and yes it's and a shame always, there was no gamecube they but... always did the weird stuff it's like why were the gba games on wii u and not 3ds right why why like, and then they bought super nintendo to 3ds yeah. and it was like what there's some weird like strange logic that goes on with nintendo but um i think for me the stuff that makes the wii u so important is not the games it's just the weirdness of that device and how it fit me so perfectly right Mm. like as i've said i'm someone who likes to multitask when i do things so playing a game on a gamepad while having a youtube video on is a big deal to me like Mm. i like doing that i like the kind of uh, remove of it like we listen to podcasts a lot when we play games me probably more so than you because you're like yeah get the music i'd rather listen to the music absolutely um but the internet browser i've been using it constantly while i've been here because it's so fucking good still like yeah. youtube on the wii u is better than any other experience of a console i've ever used of an internet browser i yeah. have like 900 hours on my wii u internet browser that's absurd but like <laughs> yeah. I, I i mean uh, it's also partially because the first nine months of that system there was fuck yeah, all to play yeah, on it yeah. so aside from the rare bitrip runner 2 or one Rayman of the Legend, worst launches like yes, if we're doing worst launches it might be number one it's not just the launch though it's like the six to eight months after launch yeah. that was barren the one game like pikmin 3 which was even meant to be launched was just delayed launch and window. delayed and delayed yeah, launch window it? nine months down yeah. the line it's like the baby of the wii u right. like finally gives birth and that's just one one game it's like it's not like there were these right. other games supporting pikmin 3 it just came out by itself absolutely and, then, and i didn't yeah. even get into pikmin 3 until later, Much later so, yeah. so it was it wasn't uh, a big deal but there's another like like having the um the thing that i missed the most on the switch is the lack of a headphone jack in the pro controller you know that is that decision is baffling. boggles my mind and like yesterday we were watching giant bomb panel on tv and by my, I don't want to put the volume up too much, and my hearing is bad. So like, I put the, the headphones in with the Wii U gamepad to like get the volume there, and you can just you can do that. You can have the Wii U gamepad sitting there, turn off the volume on the TV to not disturb anyone in the room, right? And just watch it, and then if someone wants to use the TV, just pick it up and keep watching the YouTube video. Exactly. 
It's like such Perfect. weird like situations, but for me, like it's the perfect situations that I enjoy and that I am being put into. And then the other really random one that for most people is not going to be an issue is recording stuff, right? When I try to record stuff on the PS3, I always had the problem of sometimes it wouldn't adjust to the resolution of the TV. And there was no way to do that without like holding down a power button and resetting it. Cause you couldn't, like you can't change settings if the screen doesn't appear. If it doesn't pop up, you can't go into the menu and be like, no, I want it down. The Wii U gamepad, having the ability to change settings just on the gamepad while I was moving it around different TVs and trying different recording setups, it was like a dream come true. It's like, I can just do this without having to do any bullshit. Like I can change the HDMI input. I can make sure that it comes up properly, check it, make sure it's on the recording screen and everything. Because you've got that extra screen. Exactly. It was amazing. And even then I could record Wii U games um, without having to use a TV because I could just play it on the gamepad and it would still be recording on my computer. Mm. So it's these strange edge cases that for me were so important, but for most people, like they didn't need that shit. So yeah. It was weird, but that, that's the kind of stuff with Wii U that's like, it fit me so perfectly, and that's why I liked it so much. Great, yeah. Yeah. Guess we're on to number two. Yeah. Maybe our number twos are the same, we'll see. Maybe, I yeah. don't know. My number two is the Nintendo 3DS. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Here we go. Right. 3DS. Yeah. Can I tell you about the first time I saw the go 3DS? Um, I went to an event with uh, Steve-O, who's uh, a guy I met on the internet, which is a thing that I don't think people should <laughs> do, maybe. Um, warning. But, yeah, warning. Uh, no, he's, he's a nice guy. He, he lived in like Dunfermline or something. Uh, and uh, so we went to this event in Edinburgh, and it was a 3DS kind of launch thing. It wasn't like a big thing. It was like a little mm. hut um, in Edinburgh. And we went well, in. St. Andrew's Square, wasn't it? I think it was, really? yeah. And... Um, my expectations going into it was, okay, I think I know what 3D is. I think I understand. And so my expectation was like things popping out the screen at you and like flying past your face, that kind of thing. And I go in there and I turn it on for the first time and it's the complete inverse of what I think. Right. Because it's not popping out at you. It's looking in. It's depth. It's seeing something far in the distance mm. and realizing how that works and the way that your eyes adjust to it. And it was absolutely not what I was expecting. And yet it was still absolutely mind-blowing the first yeah. time I saw it. It's like, wow, that this technology exists. Because this was an era in which Avatar was the biggest thing in the world. And that's why 3D went so crazy is because Avatar had been such a monumental success that people were scrambling to make 3D TVs and scrambling to do all this content. And every movie was coming out in 3D. But Nintendo came up with a solution that got rid of the glasses. Like, they got rid of the most important stumbling it's block. It's so bold. It was no incredibly glasses, bold. 3D on a handheld system. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've talked about in the past how they'd been experimenting with 3D for mm. a while with the GameCube and now finally with Luigi's Mansion being remade they for 3D. They thought about the 3D, but then they settled on the handle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the most important part. Um, and, and absolutely, the 3D was something that still to this day, I think I'm going to miss a great deal. I agree. Because it's, it's not just that it gives this kind of crazy thing that you don't expect. And eventually over the years, we got used to it and we weren't like mind blown by it, but it makes games look better. I always relate it as going from SD to HD. When yeah. you flip that switch, it makes games look staggeringly better in a way that is pretty hard to describe, but... Just the ability to like see the totality of like a character just 
in space and the way that especially once you're something like pilot wings yeah which was the depth on that is like more so than any other yeah. 3ds game i think because they were pushing it it was right title. but the crispness of like you said link between worlds right. 3d land especially mm-hmm. like it added so much and the, the backlash against the 3d was so sad to see like yeah. the, it felt like we were such a minority mm. of of people who really enjoyed the 3d p- played almost every single game with the 3d almost at max yes and when Nintendo sort of backed away from this idea and the 2DS came yeah. out, it was such a, oh, like a stab in the back of like what they were absolutely stabbing themselves in the back. Right. Like it was, that was their idea that they were going for. And then there was all these media stories like, mums are terrified of the 3D hurting your eyes. Yeah. And, all, and it's just that backlash was and so sad. There, there are so many games now that come out and just don't have it. And my best example is the Dragon Quest games. I played both Dragon Quest Seven and Dragon Quest Eight on 3DS. Dragon Quest Seven, amazing 3D, monumental. Looked phenomenal. Takes that art style and just elevates it so much. And then Dragon Quest Eight comes out, and I see people being like, "Oh yeah, this looks so much better than Dragon Quest Seven." I'm like, "The fuck are you talking about? There's no 3D in this game, and so it looks so dead, so flat, so barren of life. There's nothing that like jumps out of it." And I guess if you want to be technical about it, yeah higher quality polygons all that stuff but to me dragon quest 7 looks miles better miles better just because it has the 3d in it 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 made me enjoy that game on a better level like i just Mm. was more into that game because for me it looked nicer um one thing one improvement i loved on the ds with the 3ds was obviously there was a huge emphasis on the touch screen and using the stylus on the ds mm -hmm. and as fun as that was at the time in my view, it's not aged the best. No. Like as I go back and play games with a stylus, I'm like, this is fun, but like it, I just almost, want to go back to buttons. It's almost that. like the touchscreen was there just because of the backwards compatibility. Like I don't think they may have even right. included yeah, it. Right. Yeah. Of course, otherwise. it plays DS games. Right. That's a huge bonus of the system. Um, but yeah, like I was just really happy to see that while it was still dual screen and had a touchscreen, there was a real emphasis that not many games use the touchscreen that much. There was a real emphasis on using the buttons and having this 3D experience with your two hands on the system. Mm-hmm. And yes, games like Nintendogs came out on it, but it was more like a bonus on the system rather than a game that defines the system like Nintendogs was on the DS. Yeah. And that was a huge improvement, uh, certainly for me. And of course, it's the, it's the, it's the DS that has... A 2D Samus on it now, which uh, <laughs> Samus finally. Metroid, uh-huh. uh, which is so so great to see finally. Uh, but what a library of games when you talk about 3DS. The, the 3DS may be my largest library of original games. What I mean by that is like I have a lot of Wii games, but a lot of those are like two pound fifty in Kex, you know, like just yeah. buying them secondhand and stuff. Uh, day one buys for 3DS is more for me than any other system by quite a margin and, and the quality of all those games as well yes. like so few of them are poor like so many of them are so good yeah. and like there are flawed first party nintendo games here and there but there are so few flaws on the 3ds when it comes to like that those nintendo games yeah like um 3d land is just it, 3d land was kind of the beginning of nintendo really getting into the groove with 3ds because 3ds had bad launch like that's the thing we haven't brought up but it wasn't the best launch lineup i bought a game pilot wings that i wouldn't have paid any attention to if it hadn't been a launch title deep yeah you did oh god you insults to this day but um but you know they didn't have the eShop at launch they didn't have 
a bunch of features that would have made it, it was too expensive like they had to bring the price down and they had to do the ambassador program which turned out to be like the best thing for us possible yeah like, it was I, a I loved... really great window into the Game Boy Advance for yes, me personally yeah, absolutely um, uh, but you know 3D Land was that moment where they're turning it around like here's this great Mario game that is built for portability and is so streamlined and easy and looks great and was one of the only games on the system where I would say 3D was a necessity in order to play it. Like certain sections of that game, you have to have the 3D on in order to, like the little box room right. you go into. Like, in order I think to there's see even the like a thing that appears on the screen that says 3D, sort of like implying, yes, you, implying you should you turn should your 3D turn on. Turn it on, Like I don't know what that's like if you play it on a 2D. I turned, it, I turned it off and it's like, you don't, really no, it's like one of those weird paintings where like the staircase yeah, it's like is like a trick of the eye yeah, right. trick of the eye kind of deal uh, so you need to have it on in order to see past the kind of trick there but then you're like you. Whoa. yeah and you're sort of <laughs> looking around and that's one of the things that uh, makes me happy about captain toad coming to 3ds yeah. actually is i always thought captain toad would be a perfect fit for 3ds mm. it's like one of those games it's like this little kind of box garden style thing that they were talking about and, and the like, luigi's mansion remake yes hopefully we'll have 3d hopefully if like, that doesn't i'm gonna be but so yeah both captain toad and luigi's mansion if they don't have 3d on 3ds like what's even what the point? Is the point what's exactly. the point um aside from just you know the millions Making and millions the of people owners, who will yeah. buy it anyway um yeah but yeah, it's the, some of my favorite like weird deep cuts on the 3DS's library, stuff like, well, it's not a deep cut, but like, Yokai Watch is a game that I don't think I would have bought on another system, you know? Yeah. It's like, I'm just willing to give this thing a go and see what it's like. Yeah. And maybe it's good and maybe I won't like it, but... Well, it, was, it was good. It was good. <laughs> I enjoyed Yokai Watch for like 10 hours and I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay, I'm kind of bored now. Yeah. Let's, let's move on. But um, like, I got uh, Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright. It's one of my favorite 3DS games, easily. They're probably in my top five. And it's one of those weird, strange crossovers that happened on the system because of the success of, like, that series in the past. And, like, the you know, it, it just worked so wonderfully. Um, and I love that they were able to bring stuff like that and keep giving us stuff that was obvious and consistent, but also stuff that was a little bit out there. Um, and, uh, yeah... I uh, I appreciated its virtual console lineup. It was it was yeah. fairly limited. It's Game Boy focused, obviously. Right. Um, I mean, I played the Warrior Land games, the original right. ones, for the first time on there. I went back, played Link's Awakening. I've now played Oracle right. of Seasons. Yeah. Still need to play Ages. Yeah. Um, I played Pokemon Red. Yeah. That was a surprise. I had such a great time mm. playing that. I mm. didn't think it would hold up that well. It held up fantastically well. Yeah. I was really surprised and playing it on the 3DS, on a system, in, like, that, I downloaded loads of games on this one system, mm -hmm. on the go, really portable. I did upgrade to the uh, 3DS, the new 3DS XL, which was fantastic. I think yeah. the, the head tracking is quite noticeable on certain games. If we were entering the system into the Video Game Hall of Fame, I think we would say the new 3DS XL version would be the one that you... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a pretty ugly looking system. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's it not doesn't, the best. I mean, even the original 3DS looked pretty ugly. The 2DS actually looks quite good, even as much yeah. as I don't want a 2D... A 2DS, I saw I there was one person when I was at university, it was like some pub quiz thing, and there was someone sitting there playing a 2DS, and I was like, wow, I've never seen one of these. It's <laughs> fucking weird, but like, hey, yeah. it's it cheap. Look weird. Yeah. It is cheap, yeah. Um, so and I yeah. got all the Pokemon kids in there, so... Got, yeah, got to get them in it. there. Um, first incarnation of the eShop. 
It was the first, like, because mo the modern eShop we have now traces back to the 3DS. Like, the orange design, uh, the kind of, the setup of it, the name even There e was a, a shop on the DSi. DSi yeah, right. but that was, like, DSi wear. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was a different thing. But, like, the real proper modern version of what we currently have now started on 3DS. And it was a place where I dived into some more weird games. I got VVVV. I got... Mm. Gum and Clive got into Pushmo, like Box all, Boy, Box Boy, like all these kind of little games that worked so well on the system. And Street Pass, yes, what a weird it's the thing. elephant in the room. We but it is, we loved it. It is maybe the best part of 3ds. And nowadays, like we don't do that. We don't take our 3ds out anymore. It's just and no one has them. There's no point because you're not going to run into people these yeah. days. But right back at the peak when 3ds was huge, and we were both at university with 3ds's, we would. Like I personally constantly pinged every day. Yeah. I would go in with my bag, put it in my bag. I'd have at least three or four every day. Um, and that was such a valuable asset to the system that started with Nintendogs Bark mode and was uh, they iterated on with Dragon Quest Nine. They actually said that um, one of the reasons they did Street Pass is because in Japan, people playing Dragon Quest Nine uh, put their... DS's into that similar kind of sleep thing where you could transfer items and things. And that game was huge on DS over there uh, because it's a new Dragon Quest, so of course it's just fucking huge. Um, and they built Street Pass off that idea um, and it worked in places other than Japan. And it didn't work as well as it would have over there, but it still worked. And like you go to places like PAX or any convention, when we went to Gamescom, Gamescom yeah. and when we went to even Hyper Japan, we got a few yeah. there. So the Zelda Symphony. The Zelda Symphony we did <laughs> as well. Yeah, you're right. So like it was it was great being in the kind of moment of street pass. You actually when it was felt big. like you were in the culture, not yes. just looking on the culture exactly. or talking about the culture or part of it. Yeah, and it wasn't just a means to an it wasn't just like, hey, I'm gonna do this for no reason. Like the puzzle piece stuff was really There's fun. There's a real joy in collecting those pieces and watching the three D renders. Exactly. Because like, we love the three D because we love getting the 3D. those like awesome like yeah. like little animations. Some of them were really impressive. Yeah. Really uh, impressive. I love going back to them now and, and seeing them and looking at some of the original ones like like Twilight Princess Link and just like kind of like rotating around yeah. them and not much goes on. Worst. To where like some of the crazy like Kirby ones, like you're yeah. always like sucking things up and it's all going <laughs> rotating and weird um yeah street pass is absolutely one of those things that i'm pretty gutted they took out of the switch you know and it's one of those yeah. things they could add in the future to make that system better but right now nintendo seems so uh, obstinate about the switch being a home console that you can take there's a long list of things that people are wanting on the switch and i think street pass is fairly near the bottom unfortunately probably yeah probably unfortunately as much as we want a web browser netflix yes, and virtual exactly, console yeah, and yeah, yeah music in the eShop and stuff like yes. these things. But yeah, there's it is a really cool thing that I think was unexpected about the 3DS that we just had a, a great time playing. Yeah, like, so um, and, uh, and then I think there might be one more thing. Um, yes, the most important thing of all. Oh. The number one reason why 3DS is this high up this list the motherfucking activity log. <laughs> the best activity log there yeah. has ever been that mankind has ever created. That hu This may be humanity's greatest achievement. The 3DS activity log. It's Not great. only was it a step counter, it told you where you'd been walking, you collected coins for Street Pass to buy some puzzle pieces if you wanted, but the breakdowns the charts, yeah. the to the minute that you had been playing, <laughs> yeah. the graphs. The number of times played, the, pie the charts. average time played. Yeah, It was a dream come true for 
people like us. I don't know why this is, but I feel like people who play games get so obsessed with how long they have spent playing a I game. I don't know why that when, is. When you, you're like us, you got a podcast, yes. you're playing a lot of games. Yeah. I think the the added value of websites like Backloggery yes. combines with stuff like the activity log. And because ultimately when you're doing a podcast, you, you have to be careful about what you invest a lot of time into and what you don't. Sure. I've really become careful about, I've only got so many free hours in a day mm-hmm. and I need to manage what games I play and when. Yeah. And the activity log is just part of that. Right. And it was so satisfying to know this is what we've been playing. And then when we played Smash Brothers for so long and you realise, oh my God, we played 80 hours of Smash uh-huh. and, then, and it appears. It's it's a real sense of satisfaction almost mm. that that's, that's the game that's at the top. And yeah. I, I defeated Xenoblade Chronicles even if it took me 90 <laughs> hours and it's like, I have that there on it. It's a badge of honour. To tell me and that's my badge of honour. Yeah. Uh, it, it's... And... The Switch is just awful for this. It's and so fucking bad. As, even, it though, me off. even though they fixed that one issue where um, the, a year had passed and it had, it had gotten rid, gotten mm. rid of the time played from games from a year ago. Yeah, it only shows the twenty most yeah. recent games yeah. played. Like it, it, the second I've played more than twenty Switch games, of which I'm getting close to. Yeah. It the most recent ones will just be pushed off. I can't just check on them yeah. like I can with the activity log on the 3DS, which goes, I've got like 120 th- parts of software played. It's insane. The thing that annoys me the most about Nintendo is they'll have a great idea, an amazing idea, and they'll implement it perfectly. And then next time they'll be like, I don't know, let's change this for no fucking reason. <laughs> like the 3DS stylus, like they, they, the DS Lite, yeah. is perfection they put it in the side that oh, just slips it out of the side if you're right handed on right, the right, right side handed, that's where it comes right out right handed slip it out it's perfect and then next time they're like oh let's just put it in the fucking bottom <laughs> why <laughs> why like why Nintendo that doesn't make any sense it's not logical yeah. it doesn't help anybody it's always one step forward two steps back right. on so many levels <laughs> and the activity log is just one of those and like the activity log has just gotten worse like the Wii yeah. U was a step down because you couldn't see all the graphs. Like, in order to see the total amount of time played, you had to click on the icon as long as you'd played it during that month. Like, you could only do monthly breakdowns. It would tell you how much you played that month. Then click the icon, it'd be like, this is total time played. Mm. But aside from that, that was all you could see. And then Switch is just like, I don't know, a few minutes, maybe... (sighs) Uh, I have some information. A little here. while, a few hours, four hours, approximately 15 hours, five-hour segments. Terrible. Yeah. Just, Just fucking dead. garbage. Uh, and let me tell you about it. You notice the order that my systems are in? Activity log. Switch. Wii U. 3DS. It's the real secret. It's the real secret <laughs> the to keep me happy. Secret. Absolutely. The real secret. Um, so, hey, 3DS. What a great system. And the, the other great thing about 3DS is... It has so many games that I have not got to yet. Things like Bravely Default, which one day I'm going to pick that up and I'll play that on 3DS. Like, you know, there are a lot of... I need to play Codename Steam. I need yeah. to play Pokemon Sun. Absolutely. I need to play... Uh, God knows, there's loads Majora's of games. Majora's Mask 3D. Fire Emblem uh, Fates Conquest. There's yeah. so much I'm, I need to go back to and finish and play. And... and and just like the DS before it, you know, it has a rich library, mainly supported by Japanese developers. But like really good games that came out that were critically acclaimed that you know i will look back on and be like okay i will when they're on sale at a shop i'll pick them up for two quid one day i have i have a top tip yeah 
So I lent my 3DS to Caroline uh-huh. a while back when she was playing Link Between Worlds. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't think anything of her sort of carrying it around with her. <laughs> sure. She kept the, my new 3DS XL in her handbag, uh-huh. and I thought, I mean, it's a it's a clamshell that we find, right? It made one of the right shoulder button sticky. Yeah. Uh, it really did make it sticky, and I thought, why didn't I just buy a case and yeah. protect those shoulder buttons? And I'd highly recommend, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm going to go back and play some 3DS and your buttons are sticky, I checked out online, Nintendo Support, top tip, get an old toothbrush that you don't care about anymore, and scrub that shoulder button <laughs> it's such a weird as thing. hard as you can. It's one of those like life hack and weird things. And it genuinely, because it's basically dust underneath, the, it's in and amongst the spring, yeah. and it causes stickiness. Right. And... You can so you can blow it and it'll give you a free button for a few like a few minutes for like 10 15 minutes mm-hmm. it'll get sticky again use a toothbrush and give it a good scrub and it works i was so close to buying another uh, yeah, 3ds you're like, you're like uh, I'm, i think i'm going to do this and doing a system transfer and yeah. that's as like because as we said i've got a lot of 3ds games i want to play and i want to make sure that the shoulder button's good and top tip Old toothbrush works a charm. It works on all buttons. I, I checked this out. And it's what Nintendo support advise as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. Top tip. Uh, the other thing about 3DS, it's when Nintendo finally made Fire Emblem a big franchise. Uh, and as someone who's a longtime Fire Emblem fan, the fact that they care so much about that series now makes me so happy. Because things like Echoes, where they're remaking this really obscure NES Japan-only mm. Fire Emblem game, it They've gives me hope. deep on Fire Emblem yeah, now. It gives me hope that like all those old Japanese games that came before, like those six other games that yeah. came before the original uh, Fire Emblem on GBA uh, in North America and in Europe, may come back, and I may be able to play them. Makes me hopeful that every franchise is one amazing mainstream game away from this kind of yes, treatment. Exactly. And that could be anything. And obviously, be. everyone knows what I hope it yeah, will be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we'll see what could happen with Switch for sure. Uh, all right. Number one, but I think I know what it is. Number one. I felt really bad about making this number one. Yeah. I was looking for reasons not to make it number one. Yeah. Um, and I don't... I feel really bad that it's number one, actually. <laughs> what? Um, but because it's only been a year. Yeah. And the num- my number one is the Nintendo Switch. Uh-huh. I don't think I've had as joyous of a year in gaming as this year. Yeah. And 90% of my time with video games this year has been on Switch. Right. I initially, of course, was very angry about lack of virtual console. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a huge trend, as we've mentioned with the Wii U. It's just a, it's a huge part of the podcast. We play virtual console games. We we play old games. Up. We play old games. We yeah. catch up on classics. We talk about them. That's a huge part of the show that I was really sad wouldn't be happening with the Switch mm-hmm. anytime soon. Um, but then you got all these indie games. Yeah. MBZ, you go on and on and oh, yeah. on and on drone. with me about the number of awesome indie games you play. Yeah. A handful made it to Wii U. Even more didn't make it to Wii U. Yeah. Of those that those more that didn't make it to Wii U, many of which have come to Switch. And I think honestly, the ones that don't come to Wii U are often the best. Like things like Inside, you know. Yeah. Where which I'm is coming like, later this year. Yeah, absolutely. Hollow Knight coming later yes. this year. Undertale coming later. Yeah, like, Undertale there, for sure. There's, and there's ports coming to the Switch, and they've got merits and like negatives to them as well. Mm-hmm. But we've already had su- when I talked about the three pillars of the Wii U with virtual console, indie games, and first-party titles. Yeah, the Switch is killing it on two of those. Yeah, absolutely killing it. Those first-party titles: Splatoon 2, Mario Odyssey, and of course Breath of the Wild. Best game of all time, <laughs> according to our top 50 games of all time. <laughs> yeah, for now. Um, 
they are absolutely killing it on, yeah. on that front. And I could not be happier with those two pillars, but also the ease of play, picking up the system, yeah. turning it on. We've talked already about being on the go. It's It could not be more seamless uh, in on that front. Of course, there's there needs to be stuff like activity log there needs yeah. to be a better e-shop and we'd but like, love I to think, see a I think console, for you but... like for me maybe those things are more important I think for you it was it's more to do with the fact that well, the one thing that I find funny about the Switch is I'm constantly like Bally like maybe you should try and get another console and maybe you should try like a, a Playstation you, like get to play some of these games but now it kind of seems like I don't know if you need to, because for the first time in what seems like forever, Nintendo have a good relationship with third parties, mm. and it's not going to get you Red Dead Redemption yeah. 2. It's just not. But but that pool of games is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Exactly. But, like, you can play fucking Skyrim on a Nintendo system. <laughs> yes. You can play Doom and yeah. Wolfenstein. Like, those are the kinds of games where you would ordinarily never have that experience on a Nintendo platform before and now it's kind of like well you have the Switch now so you can play all these indies and like the the best of the best like classic third party games are going to be coming and I mean if you really care about Spider-Man and Red Dead 2 and uh, God of War and all these things sure like you can go out and get a PS4 I mean you list off that list like it represents a much larger list but once you say God of War Red Dead 2 and Spider-Man Especially for this year, I'm struggling for what else for I, would, I would personally yeah. want to play. Exactly, um, and yeah, it's 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 really so, cool. Yeah. So in that sense, like the Switch has basically eliminated the need for someone like you, who is just a Nintendo-only person. It's getting a Crash Bandicoot trilogy <laughs> this summer. <laughs> who thought that was coming? Oh god, that's so stupid. That's really dumb. But yeah, like, because uh, I'm sure there's lots of people who listen to the podcast who are more similar to you than they are to me, who have only owned Nintendo consoles, who like to play on Nintendo. Um, and, you know, now you have just such a wider variety mm. of stuff to yeah. play. And it, it's awesome. I I cannot be happier with what's already come out, what's coming out. And, and that's why I was partly feeling a bit guilty about this being top of the list, because I, I really want to make sure it was how we rate these consoles at this point in time. Because obviously there's so much promise with Smash Brothers mm -hmm. and Metroid Prime 4 yes. and stuff coming to Switch that we don't know much about. But even without all that hype about the future, I'm really so happy with the current lineup of games, both indie and AAA mainly, like we've just said, mm -hmm. and remakes. Uh, it's I could not be happier almost. Yeah, it's good. Switch it's is good. good. I like Switch. <laughs> we like Switch. In... Six years' time, when we're at the end of the Switch's life cycle, I think if they address everything that I have an issue with and they keep making great games, it has the chance for me to be the best console. Oh, we're going to come back to this issue. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. That's but yeah, sensible. that's my number one. MBZ, I've got a few guesses on what your number one might be, but let's uh, hear it. My number one? The Amiga 2600. Uh, I loved Whizball. Uh, played a bunch of that. Played um, Bart versus Space Mutants. That was a good one. Uh, no, of course. The Master Race. The one and only. Virtual Boy. The virtual Boy. Uh, <laughs> PC. Um, the PC is a staggering thing. And it's not a console. And it's not a handheld. But it's kind of everything. And it's kind of all things at once. Um... I got my first PC in 
2011? 2013. Oh, 13. 2013, I think. Um, After Wii U? Yes. Okay. So I'd already owned Wii U. Right. Um, that's partially why because I was like nothing save me <laughs> save me although the the original reason I got on my PC was for video editing like that yeah. was kind of the purpose and so originally I didn't actually have a super great graphics card I had a good one like a, one that was better than the PS3 and 360 right. but like it wasn't incredible because uh, that wasn't my intended purpose but I got it built by uh, a company I didn't build it myself it's much easier I think to go that route because I now have customer support whenever I have any issue, if I have any issue, so I can just call them and they'll either like remotely tap in and just fix the problem for me or they'll just send me a part and I'll just put it in and, and fix the issue. Um, and the PC is definitely a barrier to entry for a lot of reasons. One, technologically. I wouldn't trust you with my PC if, you know, <laughs> in any context, you know? Because you need to have me. you need me. to have the technological know-how to some degree to be able to like deal with issues and be able to manage problems, um, and it's fucking expensive. I spent a thousand pounds putting my PC together, which included like the monitor and obviously keyboard, mouse, but also the desktop itself with the graphics card and RAM and all this stuff, and it's expensive upfront. But within a week, uh, there was a humble bundle that had just gone up. And it was like, I don't know, $3. And there were nine games in it. <laughs> and in that first week, I had nine games on my Steam account. And from there, it just kept growing. And it kept growing. And another Humble Bundle popped up. <coughs> and oh, here's my first Steam sale. I remember sitting in the park with you and Ali T uh, in London, because you'd come down to London to stay for a, for a while. And uh, the Steam sale was going on. And I saw Super Meat Boy, and I was like, yeah, two quid, got it. Uh, so like a Scribble Noughts game for three quid, oh, I'll buy that. Sonic Generations for four quid, that's in my library now. Uh, and I was just going through game after game after game, just spending. I think I spent. Well, how many games were you actually playing? That's not, <laughs> not the point. Uh, uh, I, I, I think I bought something like 50 games in that Steam sale. Oh no, I spent, I spent 50 quid in that Steam sale. Right. And I came out of it with like 35 games. Yeah. And I was like, this is magic. This is insane. How am I... This is highway fucking robbery. This isn't legal. This isn't legal, man. Um, and so, yes, it is expensive up front, but the cost-benefit of PC is better than any other platform. When you're playing the number of games we're playing in the long term, absolutely. Yes. Like, categorically, yes. so so true. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, just the other day, uh, Twitch Prime which is the thing you get if you have Amazon Prime. And I don't actually have Amazon Prime. My mum has it, or my family has it, so I just use Twitch Prime through them, so I'm not actually paying for it. So technically, you could say these are actually free for me because I'm not actually paying for it. <laughs> but they were doing a promotion where like, oh yeah, we're giving away a bunch of free games. I paid 10 quid for SteamWorld Dig 2 the end of last year, and I just have it for free on Steam. Uh, not on Steam, on Twitch's app, I guess, because that's the thing with PC is everyone has their own app. Uh, I now have Super Hot. I have a game called Kingsway, which is a cool indie game that came out last year that I was interested in, which I actually also already got through a Humble Bundle. So this is the thing. I own a lot of these games like three times already. Um, and I got Tales from the Borderlands, which I already owned. I got Oxenfree, which I'd already bought. Like, but they just dumped these fucking games on me. And I'm like, what the f Like, I just have these things now. So for me, that's kind of the, the biggest reason to get into PC gaming and why it is so impressive is it's... It's a big upfront cost, but it becomes so affordable after that. As, as a Nintendo fan, this would have been a lot more appealing to me in those sort of blank spots of yes. the Wii U era. But yeah. as we've said before, like with now the it's, Switch, it's, yeah. that argument and the, the, the circle of games that are 
inaccessible to the mm-hmm. Switch and what's coming and the amount that's coming on Switch generally, it's looking harder and harder to as a Nintendo fan, of course. Yeah. It's harder to justify that. Yes, and it's getting it's getting harder for me thing. as well in order to like where am I gonna buy this? And the price comes into it a lot and I talked to you about the stupid It's essentially a four to five quid premium yes. on Switch yeah. consistently yes. just to play handheld. Yes, but then like when it comes to things coming out that I want to get day and date with every platform, Switch right. may have the edge now. Like it, it it depends. Depends. But the other thing is like Switch and PC have a similar idea for me, especially since I started using two monitors, is I've told you, like, I play Overwatch on one screen and I have kind of funny games daily on another screen. And that's the exact same thing I would do with the Wii U or with the Switch, is have a game on one thing and have a YouTube video on another thing. And so I'm able to do that on PC. Despite it not being portable, I still have that ease of, like, I'm just chilling with a game with a video on. Mm. And I love that. And I love that I can just move my mouse across to the other side and just like mess with something else and then come back into a game or just be able to have the flexibility that you do. The idea that I can play every game. You can go and edit a video. I can edit a video while I'm playing Overwatch, you're correct. I mean, I don't think the Switch has video editing on Exactly, exactly. I mean, like, I'm not talking about the other PC functions (laughs) in this argument. Obviously, this is games-based. You can go on Skype. Exactly. Uh, Obviously, the PC is like just... As a as a thing in life, yeah. it's probably high up my list as yeah. of things. If we did the top five things in life, PC, PC might probably... PC is the one that wins two categories. Yeah, 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 yeah probably. Um, but like, even just putting all that stuff aside, it it's the ability to be customizable, to have the option to play at sixty frames a second and lower down the resolution if I want to. Uh, to be able to put it in a little window on the corner if I'm not bothered about having it full screen and having another thing going. Just the flexibility of connecting a controller and basically making it a console that's super powered or dragging an HDMI cable to the TV and making it so that I'm essentially playing in a kind of standard console setting as well. Uh, And the thing that is the most important is that flexibility of your library. And I know people are like, oh, it's a bit scary that Steam is this huge entity and it basically controls the PC marketplace. But the reason why people love Steam is a lot of the reason why people love Apple. You know, It's the convenience of transferring things between devices and having a consistent place where like Nintendo don't fucking do this. Like we can't just get our Wii U virtual console games on Switch. I would love it if we could do that. But we can't, and they're going to charge us for it, and they're going to find some weird way mm. of doing it. I can have a game like Half-Life 2, which came out mid-2000s, and run it on Steam, on my PC, no problem. Mm. I can't do that with PlayStation. I can't do that with Xbox. I mean, kind of now with Xbox, they're doing a lot of backwards compatibility. Right. But that requires you to like download another separate version. Like This is the same thing on the same platform. Um, and it's pretty amazing that i can buy a brand new pc tomorrow and just have every game i've ever bought still and just you know play them again which i'm sure will happen eventually exactly and i will i I will upgrade and like even now i'm playing valkyria chronicles on my laptop um and that's a game that is a little bit older so it runs fine on a lower end system and i can go home tomorrow and just boot it up and be the exact same place i was on my save file. So, so and I did that with Hollow Knight. Like I played most of Hollow Knight in London and I went back home and I finished it on my desktop. So you said you picked up your PC 2013. Yeah. At what point did you think, I've really got my money's worth? Um, straight away. 
Straight away. Straight away. After that first sale where you got your uh, 50 quid's the, worth of game. When I rendered a video of Heavy Rain and it rendered in the same amount of time the video length was, I was like, this is fucking amazing. Because I'd been living with a shitty laptop yeah. for so long and having yeah. to render videos that took forever and I couldn't do anything with... Like, I could pl- play a game at the same time I rendered a video when I got my desktop. And that was insane. Like, the amount of... Just the flexibility, the ability it gives me to do so much... Um, and just play how I want to. And also, like, I've learned how to use mouse and keyboard now. I'm proficient at playing first-person shooters in that setting. And honestly, I don't really like going back I w- to I sticks. would have, ne- growing up with you playing games, I would have never put you in a category where they said, I really like mouse and keyboard for shoot- first-person shooters. It's like, what but is it, wrong? But it, it really shows, like, how different my tastes have become and how yeah, I've, like, evolved yeah. since then. Like, starting with a PlayStation 3 and, like, moving through and becoming a PC player. Um, it's made me try different types of games. Like, I fucking love Titanfall and Overwatch, which is a genre I never would have thought I'd be interested in before. Like, I got into some Hearthstone, which is a fucking card game. I got into Rogue Legacy, which is a roguelike. Like, I'm, I just played a CRPG for the first time this year. Like, I'm really trying to broaden my horizons, and I'm finding that I really like a lot of that stuff. When I first saw you riding your horse in Witcher 3 yeah. through some grass yeah. on your PC, yeah. it's pretty... Look pretty it's, damn good. It looks pretty damn good. Like there are times when I look at video games on PC and I'm like, how do I play anything else? Because this looks so far ahead. It has made you super, super, super sensitive and it to does. frame and rates and that happens visuals. though. That does happen because like uh, recently uh, listening to Jason Schreier talk on uh, Kotaku's podcast, and he's recently got into PC gaming. He just built one this year, and he's constantly like. I'm so much more aware now of frame rate and what it means and like how much of a difference it makes. Um, and I was watching a game explain video recently of Rocket League because they put in a patch to do 30 frames a second with like higher graphics quality. Yeah. And you look at the comparison, it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't play this game at a lower frame rate because the smoothness of the experience is so vital to me um, that anything else is just compromising. Uh, and that's why for me pc with the ability to and you know it depends on what you have in your system what graphics card you go for and let me tell you right now awful time to become a pc gamer because graphic cards prices are through the fucking roof because all this cryptocurrency bullshit um but Mm. and that's a crucial part of being a pc gamer right is your graphics card it is yeah like that is like the the cool thing and i i upgraded mine that's when when i got witcher 3 i got an upgraded card a 970 which is like at the time, it was, like, one of the better cards. Um, and that's why, like, when you looked at that on my screen, you're like, the fuck? How does this game look so good? It's, uh, yeah, so. So, yeah, there you go. That's my number one, wow. the PC. It's it's the best. Quite a list. It's quite I love a list. It. I think we should have a, a little chat about a few more systems that yeah. didn't make the list. But before we do that, so we run through our top five one more time. All right, sure. Um, so let me just bring up my top five not that I can remember I know, great memory we have so my number five was Game Boy Advance my Mm -hmm. number four was the GameCube my number three was the Wii U number two was the 3DS and number one was the Nintendo Switch Switch Uh, my number five let me find it I've got these in like multiple things so I've got to (laughs) go back Uh, number five the Switch Uh, number four the PlayStation 3 number three the Wii U number two the 3DS number one the fucking PC I think the two hugely successful Nintendo consoles that we've not included mm-hmm. 
are the Wii and the DS. Yeah. And talk, in terms of like in our time sure. playing video games, I mean, obviously there's the SNES and the NES that mm-hmm. we can talk about as well, but the Wii and the DS. Yeah. Why are they not on our list? I like the DS a lot. Um, DS is also one of those systems, I think at the time, I didn't get as much out of it as I should have done, you know? Um, the kind of games I was into, the stuff I was playing... Like in retrospect, both of us, yeah, both of us, yeah. lots of really casual yes, games. We yeah. really bought into that yeah. casual audience that they were aiming at, and we really enjoyed those games at the totally. time. But those games perhaps haven't aged as well, right? And I think if now I were to rank it in terms of like not at the, like because my list was more like a time and place thing, like when I got it and in its era. Now I think the DS I'd rank quite highly because right. I have gone back and played a bunch of those games um, and. Like, even things like Chrono Trigger, you know, experiencing a classic in its best possible form, um, and, like, gone through every Layton game, basically, not all of them, like, the, tri- the original Layton trilogy, played every Phoenix Wright game, um, really, I think those are the types of experiences that I found the most fun in on the DS, because they were built custom for that system, like, using the two screens in a smart way, having the touchscreen be useful, um, and, yeah, generally across the board, like... Things like that, I should have played more of back in the day, but I just didn't. So, I'm I broadly agree. Um, I think there's more games on DS that you've gone back to and really enjoyed than perhaps I have not. That I've I still need to try games like Layton and Phoenix Wright, for yeah. example, which I think are hu- two huge franchises that you really rate. That started yeah. on DS. Well, they started on Game Boy Advance. But Technically, uh, Phoenix Wright DS in Japan in, was right. on GBA, but. Um, because when I go back and I, I and when I was putting together my backloggery mm-hmm. and catching up on some games that I played, and the number of DS and Wii games for that matter that are just like lack of proper single player. Yeah, they're not. They're much more multiplayer focused yeah. or kind of mini game focused. Right. Yeah. And. The, the DS is just really lacking. That's why I thought the 3DS improved on the DS so much. But I think it's less that the 3DS game. improved, it's more that you improved, you know? I improved as it's, well, It's yeah. more that you were seeking out those experiences. And those experiences yeah. exist in wide swaths on the DS. The DS has a, a stupid amount of games on it. Like, it is one of the most impressive libraries in history. Right. Um, and a lot of that is because of third parties. There are so many Japanese third parties and even Western third parties that put games on DS that weren't yeah. doing handheld games before. I would also argue that touchscreen gaming, much like swinging your arm mm-hmm. Wiimote gaming, hasn't aged very well. No. It was very fun at the time, mm-hmm. but going back to it, we were just pay- playing Boom Blocks this weekend, yeah. and my arm's a bit sore from, <laughs> from throwing balls at yeah. towers. Yeah. and. I liked throwing the balls at the towers, but I didn't like my arm feeling yeah, sore the yeah. next day. And it's like, I don't know. But you I, really I, do give it some welly, I think. I when did you, give it you, some welly. You get into it, like with Wii Sports and stuff, you're like, oh, look at this yeah. top spin. And, so and all I, as, and the Wii was probably my number six. Yeah, and I would say that as well. because of games like Mario Galaxy 1 and 2, Twilight Princess, Wii Sports, Skyward Sword. No More Heroes. Those are weird um, yeah, Smash Brothers Brawl is a great game as well, and yeah. and th- there's a lot of really great games on Wii. Um, but there's a lot of shit too. There's a lot of shit. Bunch of shit. Uh, lots of not so great stuff. Uh, we generally bought more good stuff than bad stuff. We bought a few. Yeah. I don't know. WarioWare Smooth Moves. I'd rate at the lower end. Of right. It's not. It's not one of the games. best WarioWare games. Yeah. But I mean, the Wii were. 
part of the joy of the Wii was like owning a GameCube and then the Wii yeah. and it was this huge success and everyone owned a Wii yeah. and then you could and almost any one of my friends would know what Wii Sports was yes. had played Wii Sports and most likely had owned Wii Sports yeah. and a Wii like that is incredible yeah um, and, and like talking about friends that don't that, they don't care about games. Like mm-hmm. these are friends who just would not take to one two switch. Yeah, They're like, I'm not into video games. Uh-huh. Don't say I'm not into video games when you know fine well you enjoyed and played Wii Sports. Yeah, exactly, like and, and that's what the Wii did. It was just it was so refreshing to be part of that excitement. But when you step back and you're talking from a more core gamer perspective, uh, those games were lacking. Although the ones that were there were very very good. Yeah, so you're thinking about it now, maybe the Wii should have made my list because at the time, we were so enthralled by it. Like, the abiding memory I have is having... you're putting more nostalgia in your list than me. Yes, yeah, Yeah. but like the abiding memory I have is staying at your house for a sleepover, waking up one morning and the disc slot was glowing blue. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) And we turn it on, it's like, the Everybody Votes channel has been announced. (laughs) And we're like, what is this? We can vote on whether pepperoni is better on a pizza or pineapple. It's a miracle. This is incredible. We can see all these people and use our me's. And it was just like, we'd like be in your kitchen, like playing some Wii Sports. And then we'd go to the Everybody Votes channel and vote. And check I, had, out the I had a great channel. setup for Wii Sports where yeah. I had a small, pretty crummy TV yeah. sat on the kitchen table, moved to the side and all the kitchen space yeah. just to swing our arms about. Uh-huh. And it worked out quite well. Yeah, it, it was... A really great thing at the time, yes. and even with the Wii U, we went, we played some Wii Sports online. We made a couple of videos. Yeah. It was a great time. Like yeah. that is just a really cool idea. Um, but then when you step back and talk about overall libraries, overall systems, for me, I do strongly think it is number six or lower. Perhaps yeah. I, I don't know. I think the reason the Switch makes that list before the Wii does is because that first day of playing Breath of the Wild, there's nothing like it. There is nothing like there's... it. The, the combination of the game itself, obviously, yes. but playing it on that screen yeah, and yeah. The, the, the speed at which the system boots up and stuff like that. Yeah. But, what about Super Nintendo? I like Super Nintendo. We never owned one, but I we think we have really come to... I've probably played about eight Super Nintendo yeah, games now, yeah. and I intend to play up upwards of 15 to 20. Yeah, and... Um, I think that for me, I tend to lean far more to the RPGs than I do to the more action-based games. Like like everyone, everyone regards Mario World and Link to the Past and Super Metroid as like the pinnacles. I would put Earthbound, Chrono Trigger, and Final Fantasy VI over all three of those. I think I might actually start siding with you because Mario World, there are better 2D platformers than Mario World. Link to the Past, there are better Zelda's than Link to the Past. Super Metroid, it's obviously been improved upon. Yeah, I mean traditional RPG format. And it'll be so exciting to see what um, Octopath is like, because yeah. that is a very much a traditional RPG. That traditional RPG format was so strong on Super Nintendo. Yeah, and um, it's because, like, in the controls department especially, I think something like Link to the Past and Super Metroid fall down for me. Is like, I don't like how in Link to the Past you swing your sword at a, a, a patch of grass and sometimes it misses because you're not exactly on. Or like you try and hit an enemy and it's mm. a little bit finicky. And the Super Metroid, like the jump's a bit laggy. It's not as smooth and fluid. Whereas RPGs, you don't have that issue because it's a menu-based thing. It's, it's driven by not dexterity, but yeah. by, you know, just mental 
uh, kind of acuity. And I do think the Game Boy Advance between original games and remakes is a very, very, very strong JRPG system. It is, yeah. And that was another reason that perhaps the SNES wasn't quite up there for me yeah. personally. But like, I, man, I've, I think that controller is great and I've loved... Like, we played so much Contra this weekend and it's been amazing to just go back and like experience those sort of things that we never had the chance to yeah like i i am so on board this whole classics line yeah i know i didn't get an nes classic and we can talk about nes in a second but the snes classic was such a great value proposition right i I paid like 68 pounds such a good experience the number of games i've already played and intended and it is about the experience ultimately because having those on the switch would be more convenient yeah but i do think that I've enjoyed these Super Nintendo games more because I'm playing with a Super Nintendo controller. Yes. And I think that Super Nintendo controller is actually super good. And yeah. I like it. And I, it feels comfortable. There's the it's... downside of cables, but there's the upside of playing with a Super Nintendo yeah, controller. Yeah. You can't have both, yeah. arguably. And yes, they could sell a wireless Super Nintendo controller mm-hmm. that links to your Switch. But and you can buy just... those. Like... Yeah, and... That'd be weird. I don't want that. If you're getting, if you're going for the classic, it's, it's go the experience for classic. Of doing the cable's it, yeah. part of that classic yeah. experience, and that's. And I was very skeptical about like, oh, I don't know if this controller holds up, but I held it and I played like Yoshi's Island. And I was like, this is great. I love this. N64. I just don't think there's enough good games on the N64. We talked about yeah. N64 in relation to an N64 classic. Um, I mean, in terms of a nostalgia list, N64 is right up there for us, yeah. maybe. Because N64 is stadium, more but... of a catalyst for me than anything else. It's right. the thing that sparked, hey, I should own a Nintendo console in me. And it didn't happen for me until GameCube. But playing Pokemon Stadium and being like, oh, that's not on PlayStation. Because I had a PS1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, it was disappointing. But... I mean, two of my favorite N64 experiences have been remakes yeah. with both Ocarina of Time 3D and Star Fox 64 3D, both yeah. on 3DS. Yeah. And... That library, I mean, F-Zero X is a perfect example of an N64 game I really have to play. And I would probably purchase an N64 classic just to play that game. Really? Genuinely, genuinely. Like, I really want to play that, especially on an HDTV. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, bring on the N64 classic, but it's just not a wide enough... The other thing I didn't bring up uh, about PC is uh, obviously a bit taboo, but emulation, you know? Like, just the ability to literally play anything. (laughs) You know, it's cool has its benefits NES nah. we've said this before nah mate NES get times. fucked son <laughs> played it many times said this many times before and when we talk about oh we hate it an IGN list <laughs> the top game of all time and the original Legend of Zelda is always like top 10 yeah, and you're yeah. like how is that game top 10 and it's like if you're judging it by how much it influences the rest of gaming absolutely fine yeah. like, but don't paint it as top 10 games of all time mm-hmm. um, and yeah this list is top five consoles of all time NES does not have a place on that list unfortunately no, absolutely not um, any other systems you want to point out the, you're in the PS no, you didn't own the PS2 that's I the didn't. weird thing you're I, in a, a one I, and a three are you the only person who owns a PS1 and I PS2? own one three and four one um, three and four uh, yeah no the PS2 the most successful home console ever made <laughs> nah skip that one skip mate. that one bothered. No, um, uh, you know, for me, PS1 was a great time. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I have a lot of nostalgia for that platform as well. But ultimately, the problem I had with PS1 is that a lot of the games I owned on it, I was just too shit at video games or those games were too hard and badly designed. Mm. Like things like the Mission Impossible game that I owned, 
it's probably a pretty bad game. Yeah, yeah. And also, I was bad at games. Tomb Raider controls like ass, and I couldn't play any of it. I enjoyed Crash and Spyro, but they're also very difficult games for me back in the day. So I had great experiences, and I was using a lot of cheats and stuff to play Phantom Menace and get to the final level and beat Darth Maul with infinite health and that stuff. And I had a, a lot of fun on the PS1, but I was not I was never as engaged with games until I got to the GameCube era and, and was playing a lot of Soul Calibur and Melee yeah. and kind of that sort of style of game. So I to say that Sony really, from a critical perspective on video games, they yeah. really got into their stride and... In the PS3, really. With PS3 above yeah. PS2. Yeah. Uh, and games like Uncharted. Yes. Um, what's the famous zombie game? I'm forgetting uh, Last of Us. Last of Us. Was that PS3? It, yeah, it was the last right. kind of PS3 game. Um, huge games that kind of... It's when they kind of matured, really. Like, they they started doing, hey, these are real people as opposed to anthropomorphic platforming characters. Right. And like, Nintendo never has gone past that because their demographic is much more leaning could into... You, could you argue the majority of the success from PS2 was games like FIFA and COD? And sure, the, and, yes, exactly. And, like, even though the PS3 still has those games, and, and they also had another level of right, games. Right, and I think the reason why Nintendo have maybe struggled in the past, especially in the UK market, is that Sony matured with their audience. Yeah. And Nintendo haven't. Like, yeah. like they... They've matured from the place that makes more sense, which is like making better games, which is what we ultimately care about. But for the majority of the public, it's like, give me some fucking guns and, you know, you know, try and make something. And Greg Miller always talks about um, like he was kind of falling out of games until Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation. And that's the game that was like, oh, my God, games can be more games can like grow with me and be meaningful narratives and like do something different. Um, And uh, that's kind of the path that Sony has gone down. Um, generally but the the one that barely missed the cut is the ps vita the vita Mm, an underloved system the switch before the switch uh (laughs) such a great second best looking screen the second best looking handheld video games it's it's an awesome little device it's just so well made like as a physical piece of hardware it's leagues above the 3ds in terms of quality and durability and just feel like it feels like a quality made product like the switch does like it really is the little brother to the switch and is the thing that i feel um like the switch is this weird combination of two of the most unsuccessful systems ever it's the wii u and the vita and somehow it's made the two least successful systems of the last decade into one of the most popular of the last decade Uh, on on a funny little sort of name conundrum um you've got the wii the wii u the ds the 3ds yeah 3ds huge success wii u Massive yes. failure. Like it, it, it was just an interesting name thing where yeah. one they thought let's continue the brand, but and like one, brand... one was clever and snappy and marketable, <laughs> and the other one made no fucking sense. So like you True. can clearly see so why it goes beyond name. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, the Vita, the Vita for me is is about like two series in particular that are now among my favorite of all time, which is Danganronpa and Persona. Playing Persona Four Golden on Vita is like a life changing experience. That is one of it's in my top five games of all time it is incredible it is it has the most relatable characters like you feel like you're friends with those characters and i can't say that about any other medium or game or maybe critical role but like that's weird (laughs) with real people it gets strange we'll do Um, a podcast about that sometime sure but um (laughs) but there is something about that world and that setting and everything about it like the small town in japan like the 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 real coziness of it the the um like combat system that is kind of pokemon-esque it's it's a series that i'm now 
all in on and like i am day one on persona 6 whenever that drops i loved persona 5 and uh, danganronpa as well is just it made me like visual novels which again is a genre i'd never been into aside from i guess ace attorney to some degree is visual novel it has adventure game elements as well but danganronpa is mind-blowing and i really hope they bring it to switch so that you can give one of those games a go because as someone who likes storytelling in games the this is all storytelling that's all it is but it is just bananas crazy and the ending of danganronpa v3 is the most insane fucking thing i've seen in a game in my life and i love it and it is it is the best so the vita gets props just for introducing me to those series and, yeah. and making them high on my list Game Boy, Game Boy Color. I love them. Pokemon. But that's it. Small Pokemon. library, again. Well, like, not, not a small library, but like small a, li- good library. a library that wasn't filled with a lot of memorable games. Yeah, like, yeah. And that's the thing I think they'll struggle with if they do a classic of the Game Boy, is like, what do we put on this? Like, obviously the, the 2D Marios, obviously the Warrior Land games, obviously the um, Zelda games. Those three Zelda but games. But yeah. then it gets a bit harder. Right, you know, right. there's Tetris, there's there's things that you can put on there. I'd probably but... still pick it up though, wouldn't I? I and obviously know. Pokemon. Obviously yeah. Pokemon. And and really, yeah. Game Boy for me is Pokemon and that's it. Like, that's yeah. what I played on Game Boy. Is that it? Think. We covered Think everything. we covered a lot of systems yeah. there. That was, our, that was our top five video game consoles of yeah. all time. This is um, also the longest Patreon-exclusive podcast yeah, we've done. Yeah, so by hopefully... Three person person, I think it's just easier. Hopefully just you've got your on. money worth this time. Yeah. Um, but again, thank you so much for your support. We hope you enjoyed our, our back and forth, yeah. our, our deep dive on some video game console experiences. Absolutely. Uh, and, and where we currently stand on the question all right well thanks everyone for listening uh we'll be back uh, next month for five dollar patrons and above with our next uh tnl talks talks takes, ta- takes. i don't even know takes. what the fuck we, tnl we, takes we've made bad choices here <laughs> um uh, we'll figure out what that is uh, but then we'll be back in a couple of months time with another tnl ranks so uh look forward yeah. to that thank and, you uh, again for yes thank support. you all so much patrons we love you uh, and uh, we'll see you next time goodbye folks